does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. So, Jimmy, I don't know if you've heard this or not. Amidst the gorgeous, perfect San Diego-like weather conditions today when you are out probably walking around at 7 a.m. to soak in the sun and take advantage of literally what is the most perfect day in Indianapolis. (laughs) I don't know if you heard, be it from your mail carrier, be it at the grocery store, be it from somebody driving past in a car, because there, there hasn't been a lot of discussion about it. So I'm going to, Jimmy Cook, tell you something right now that you're going to say, oh, seriously? Really? Are you ready? I'm ready. Jonathan Taylor wasn't traded yesterday. What? I know. Can you believe that? No, I can't. Yep, he's on the pup list. Mm. So that means that he's now ineligible to play for the first four games of the year. Um, but the mystery team has been discovered. The Scooby-Doo mystery has been solved. That's right. The mask is off. The mask is off, and the Green Bay Packers said, I could have gotten away with this if it weren't for you meddling kids. <laughs> the Miami Dolphins, the Green Bay Packers, among those who apparently made, in, you know, had overtures, made, in, is that, made, made overtures and had interest. How's that? In Jonathan Taylor, one of the things that we will discuss today, amongst many other topics, but before we do all of that, let me simply say good afternoon to you. My name is Jay Quarry, Jimmy Cook, the other voice you just heard, Eddie Garrison, is typically flying the Millennium Falcon for us. Millennial Falcon, as I like to call it. <laughs> but, but we had him shut the door because a lot of times the salespeople like to have afternoon lunch parties in the hallway right outside the studio. So, Eddie, <laughs> thank you, Eddie, for... Where do you go, Eddie? Silencing the... They were probably talking about Jonathan Taylor, still a cult. That's what everybody's talking about, right? Um, I don't think, Jimmy, flippancy aside, I, I don't think overly surprising, right? The fact that he's still here? Correct. No. The fact that he's on the pup blows my mind away. Really? We talked about it last week with KB, and we've had numerous conversations with, with Stephen Holder. Joel Erickson's going to join us, and this now becomes a bigger question. Is it just still the ankle, a procedure that was supposed to have like a, a two to what four week or two to six week recovery timeline from the surgery he had in January? Is it a deeper picture now where something really did happen away from the team and it's his back like was speculated a couple weeks ago? Or is it truly just the ankle? And if it's just the ankle, that's concerning to me. If there's been no step forward for him in terms of like putting pads on or intense workout regiments outside of the rehab that he's been doing to the point that he's still going to miss the first four games of the season now due to what I guess is just the ankle. And that seemed very perplexing to me that he would still be on the pup after this. I anticipated him still being on the team, but the fact that he's still on the pup and is actually going to be docked, not pay, but be docked four opportunities to reach his six-game minimum that he has to have to fulfill his contract to the Colts is strange to me because he wouldn't be on the pup unless he genuinely couldn't go because he does not want to run the risk of not being able to fulfill what his contract is this season. Because if he doesn't fulfill the contract needs, then he has to do all this all over again without a year of service time. Right. I mean, that's fair. The, the, the latter part there is definitely true. Uh, he doesn't want to be a Colt. 
Yeah. I mean, that's and, – and then you come down to – and, of course, we don't know the definitive answer on this, but the question then becomes, if he doesn't want to be a Colt, at what point he's willing to sacrifice things to make that clear. Now, to your point, um, you missed the entire year and then you literally just totally reset the cycle all over again. He The trade deadline in the NFL is October 31st. So they have until October 31st to essentially – Work things out, figure it out, navigate through, etc. And is that going to be the case? Probably so. I, you know, I. To your point, the, the the real challenge here is this. The real challenge is at some point for his sake, but also for the Colts' sake, you've got to get him out on the field just because. I think the Colts know his. His value increases, Jimmy, or at least stays status quo when people can see what he is capable of doing. And so for the Colts, for them to put him on pup, you would think that if they're – then they must think that he, in fact, is hurt. Because the last thing the Colts would want yeah. if is for Jonathan Taylor to go out and play and be 80% and then all of a sudden his value plummets. It's in the Colts' best interest to keep his value as high as possible. And the two ways to keep his value as high as possible are, number one, to allow him to play and rack up huge yardage, or number two, to shelf him and keep him behind a mysterious curtain where you assume that's who he is, but you don't know. Those are the only two ways they keep his value where they want it. But my opinion here, the Colts never thought they were going to get multiple firsts for Jonathan Taylor. They knew that. But what did they do? What did Jonathan Taylor learn in the last two months, theoretically? What he learned was, look, man, you're a great player, but you're in a position that people just don't care about, period. I mean, he's a great player. There's no doubt about it. What he does is very rare in the NFL, but... Just look around the league yesterday. I mean, it's not like the running back, but, you know, I mean, like we talked about yesterday, how long did it take, you know, Cook to find a job, right? And so when he was saying he wanted first-round level money, they basically said, okay, then go out and use the market to prove to us you are a first-round level commodity. And he couldn't do it because they, they said, you, you go right, start working the phones. Put your put yourself on on eBay. Let us know when you have somebody that says that they are willing to part with a first-rounder for your talent. And it never came to fruition. Now, I I wonder this. You ready for an outside-the-box, I'm probably going to get fired for saying it, comment? (laughs) Sure. At what point, and I'm speaking strictly here, and I want to make very clear that people understand this. I'm speaking like flippantly and rhetorically hypothetical, Okay. I'm not being totally legitimately serious. But today is what today's what the 30th of August? It is. Are there 30 or 31 days in August? 31 days in August. Are you sure? 30 days in September, April, June and November. Say that again. 30 days September, April, June and November. How do you know it's November not December? I mean it, it, if you're just going with the burrs for the sake of the the rhyme. I, I'm, you... I'm trusting my rhyme scheme memory from grade school. Eddie, yeah, anything I, there's I the do knuckle... I do know that it's not December the because New Year's Eve too, right? 31 I could tell you that. Okay, that's that for you. Why it's not December? Because okay, December thirty first. Now, what about uh, how many in September? Thirty days September. 
Okay. And what was it the rest of April, the April, June, and November. Okay. Do you do the knuckle thing? January, February, March, April, and then like the divots are all one. The, the problem is if you go with your knuckle, yeah. you start like January's a knuckle, and then the little divots, February, March. The, the, the knuckles all have something in common, but I can't remember which one it is. If it's the thirty or the thirty-one, I'll never, I'll never, as long as I live, remember this. But, but regardless, if today is August, you said thirtieth. Yes. Okay. So today's August thirtieth. If hypothetically speaking, I said, okay, from September sixth to September tenth, we're going to take a moratorium on mentioning the name Jonathan Taylor on this program. This is Jonathan Taylor Free Radio. When you Come on this program, talk, listen to this program, tune in this program. You're going to hear plenty of talk about the Colts. You're going to hear talk about the Pacers. You're going to hear talk about how I got hung up last night at the cash register at the grocery store for like 40 minutes and almost <laughs> lost my cool. You're going to hear about all that stuff, but you're not going to hear the, the, the name and the circular motion of Jonathan Taylor. Now, I realize we can't do that because we have a service to tell people and keep them informed on what's going on. But I would like for people to let me know if they would be on board with that or if they'd be like, no, you are doing a discredit. You can text me. So I, I, I've, I'll i give my number one more time here, my cell phone number, 317-523-9288. Now, here's the beauty of giving my cell phone number out, Jimmy. 317-523-9288. Don't call. Well, you can call, but I'm not going to answer right now. So <laughs> last night, I get a text from a dude, really cool guy asking me a question we talked mostly about indycar but i called it back we sit there and talk for like an hour cool guy well he lets it be known in the conversation he's like yeah you probably don't remember this but i actually tweeted you in disagreement with you about something in december i go okay so because of my neurotic skills and my nocturnal nature i tweet searched what it was he was talking about and then found the tweet looked through his timeline and based on the conversation that we had and the things that he was telling me about his, his interest, I mean, he's a super cool guy, but based on all that information, I then saw tweets that he's had recently that aligned with everything we were talking about, but alias account, uh, he has one of these troll accounts, right? That's mm. under a fake name. So now he doesn't realize that now I know as I'm talking to him, Oh, so you are actually <laughs> the the alias Sean Salisbury account. Okay. <laughs> now I can look at your twi- timeline and see all the times you tweeted me about all the things you don't like about me, yet you're totally comfortable chatting with me for 45 minutes. On- and he was super cool. We had a fun conversation. But there's a method to the madness. So but- the, the prize for giving out your phone number is occasionally stumbling upon troll accounts with your detective. That's right. Is what I'm no, like. actually, I enjoy talking to people. <laughs> no, I know you do. Okay, here we go. Jake, I'm on board. I'm on board. Please no more mention of number 28. That from James. Bigly on board. <laughs> more more Twiggy the Squirrel stories, please. Man. Jake, no more talk about Taylor. Yes, please. Jonathan Taylor more. Hey, everybody's on board. Even oh, here in we the go. YouTube chat, they're on board as well. Here's one. Not on board. Give me the JT news. Okay, I, Jake, I would rather hear three hours of IU winning in the big house. Okay. By the way. This is for Eddie, not you, because you've already made your prediction. Eddie, this is an analysis I need on your end. Better chance of happening. IU completing Jake's prediction. Okay. Should have had this Monday, and I didn't. I apologize to the audience. IU completing Jake's prediction or Twiggy being a part of the Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
Swiggy. Is it close? No. Okay. I think both of them are completely not only realistic, but also celebratory events. I think the latter should most definitely happen. I'd be all for it. Even Did if it's just off to the side part of the set. Taylor Swift turned down the Super Bowl show, right? Yes. Did mm. you see that? I did not see that. Do you she know did. why? No. I kind of commend her on this. Taylor Swift reportedly turned down the Super Bowl halftime show because the Super Bowl halftime show does not pay. And she apparently said, I, I don't need the exposure. I mean, I, right. I would agree with that. Look I, at, look I, I sold out Jerry's Jack. world five straight <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nights. Like, You know what I mean? What, what do I need? The proof is in the pudding. She doesn't need to be doing that. Totally. Go look at the numbers on this most recent tour. You know what I'd like to know in relation to Taylor Swift and the Colts? Because that's what we do in this program. What, what we do here is, do you remember those things? Uh, I'm going to guess it was around the 2010s. Do you remember when the Segway was a big deal? It had like a six-month window. Sure. Everybody had, do you, do you guys remember that? The, seg- the stand-up things? Mall cops use them. Yes. Paul Blart Mall Cop uses a Segway. Indeed. Right? Indeed. There was a time where the Segway, that was all the rage. And I remember thinking to myself, we've become too lazy as a society to walk, right? There are people, and I'm not even trying to be funny here. There are people that every day challenge themselves to try to learn to walk because of, and I'm like, sure. and those of us that have the ability to do it now need to stand on the machine and lean forward so it moves for us. I mean, how, how ridiculous are we? So the Segway lasted, it, it was big for six weeks and then people figured that out and it went away. But that should be the official logo of the program because what I like to think of myself is the master of the Segway. Okay. Not the writing kind, but sure. the, the verbal kind. So this Segway from Taylor Swift into the Colts, here's my question. How many shows is Taylor Swift doing at Lucas Oil Stadium? Three. Three? Three. Okay. Now, Eddie, you're a Swifty, right? I can be for the for this exercise if you need me to be one. <laughs> okay. My Would, wife is. I don't know if that helps. Do you exercise a lot? Uh, no. Okay. Well, you can now. Uh, so your wife is a Swifty, Jimmy. Yeah. Your wife spent how much money if she wants to go? Face value. I'm not talking resale market. And like, I don't know if your wife like had alerts set on her phone to, to, to you know, be able to get on the list and whatever else. But what's the face, the average face value of a Taylor Swift ticket to the Lucas Oil Stadium show? The face value? Yes. Ugh. I don't know the answer to that one because all I've ever seen are secondary market prices. So I don't know. So what, what would you guess? I don't know, but what, what, we're going to say the average price between the lower level and the average the price. 125 bucks? Is that a fair guess? I'd say 150 That's yeah. what I would say. Okay, we'll say 150 okay? How many tickets do they make available for a Taylor Swift show at Lucas Oil Stadium? I mean, we know that the stadium itself can hold with you know auxiliary seating and everything else like it's like 71,000 for the Super Bowl or whatever it was but for a Taylor Swift show you got the stage they probably don't do like they probably do unrestricted views what would you guess 62 nah that's probably high right because you, you're cutting off like 20% of the, the venue based okay. on where the stage so there's a great question for Kyle Kinnett at Bullseye <laughs> I'm gonna let, let's just say for the sake of 50? argument okay we'll say 50 according okay. to StubHub the venue capacity is 70,000 that's capacity. I know. That's what I'm just telling you. So if you reduce, we're going to take 20% of that out of the equation, right? So 70,000, 20% off, there's 14,000. So now you're at 56 grand, right? So 56,000 seats at, what'd we say, 150 a pop? Yeah. Okay. Each show, $8.4 million, right? Times three of them, $25,200,000 brought in in ticket prices. But here's the, here's the kicker. <laughs> $10,080,000 straight to Jim Mercer. So, when people talk about, and, and kudos to him. Kudos to him. And that money, you know, people are like, well, why don't they use that to pay for Colt salad? Like, Jim Mercer 
is not holding back paying Jonathan Taylor because he doesn't have the money. But 40% of every dollar of non-football revenue for ticket sales, concessions, and on-site parking at Lucas Oil Stadium goes to the Indianapolis Colts. So you can bet, and kudos to him. I'm not, I'm not hating on Jim Mercer at all. Kudos to him. And when Bart Peterson negotiated that deal. But I think a lot of people don't realize that, like how much money goes over there. And, you know, people are like, this is a huge economic, and it is a huge economic boom to the city of Indianapolis for those three days because of hotels and everything else. But in terms of, we haven't even gotten uh, concessions. How much cotton candy are you selling at a Taylor Swift concert? It's got to be another 500 grand right there, right? Eddie, how many programs would you buy if you went? You'd buy a program and a t-shirt, yeah, right? probably. As you're, you're a Swifty in our no, exercise sure. here, right? Yeah, yeah. As a Swifty, you're buying what? You got a oh, headband? I'm getting merch. A, I'm you getting get, a, get a merch. t-shirt. I'm getting a poster. Who knows? Come on. Who knows right. about who See? Else and, that, and I got news for you. That t-shirt's 50 bucks, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. 40% straight to the Colts. Uh, at any rate, what surprised you yesterday, Jimmy? Anything? League-wide. I mean, not necessarily even the Colts, just league-wide. Um, I mean, league-wide, people know I've not hit it by Chiefs fandom. The Chris Jones front appears to not be great. The Chiefs traded for a defensive tackle yesterday from the Raiders, which, again, would indicate it's a lottery ticket, but would also indicate that maybe Chris Jones is serious about holding out until week seven or week eight. And that's a... Like, look, as long as you have a quarterback at Mahomes level, you're fine, but... Defense is a key part of the game as well, and Chris Jones is one of the very best at the position, so that's not great. Uh, the news that the Packers were the bonus team... Is it Chris Jones the one that cost him the game here? Uh, yes, he did. He did indeed. Yep, he said something to Matt Ryan that I still don't know what he said, but You're a statue? Thank you for that. Is that what he said? Hang I think that's what he said, yep, yeah. Have fun in the You're booth next old, year? You're too old, man, is probably what he said. <laughs> yeah, right. so- something to that effect. Uh, the fact that the... I don't know if we're actually imposing that moratorium or not, so I apologize. You didn't officially declare his the namesake of Query and Company. So I'll say the running back that shall not be named. The fact that the mystery team was the Packers surprised me a bit. Like that tandem of A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, unless you're moving on from one of them, and I know that Dillon's in the final year of a rookie deal as well, but like it's a great tandem in the league, and the fact they'd want to add J.T. is interesting. I don't know if I'd say odd, but I don't think the running back is the most pressing need, and God forbid if you're a Packers fan and they're going to give away a first-round pick, that's doomed them in the past, the last generation of quarterback of not utilizing first-round picks for offensive weapons that are underneath good team control contracts. So that surprised me. Uh, hey, Jake, Taylor Swift turned down the Super Bowl show because she's going to be in Japan touring. Okay. I was also going to guess that if that's factual, that maybe there was conflicting dates. I mean, I would think if, it's, if the Super Bowl show... Like, if, if the Super Bowl paid... She would have done that over the going to Japan. I I would agree. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Um, you, you know the um, couple of things here in terms of, of yesterday. I, I don't know that there were any major revelations that took place, but I think what we saw, and, and I, I, I'm going to violate my own policy here, even though it was actually just a, a <laughs> literally like a paper policy, right? But. One thing that we did see yesterday, I think to an extent, is just the continued cementing of the devalue, not necessarily of the running back, but just of that that weapon within offenses. And to your point, stockpiling receivers and you know, and getting quarterbacks weapons to through the air, not necessarily through the ground. Now, in terms of Green Bay, 
hey, the Green Bay Packers were the mystery team. The Green Bay Packers, like, made they, they made inquiry on Jonathan Taylor. Okay. But what we don't know is, Jimmy, like, how real – how legitimately and aggressively did they make that offer? If we find out that the Green Bay Packers said, listen, we will trade you a second rounder, a third rounder, and next year's fifth rounder, and the Colts turn that down, that's pretty significant. Yeah. But they, for all we know, they said, uh, here's what we're going to trade you. We're going to trade you like a Mississippi, a, a Southern Miss jersey signed by Brett Favre, and two clips of John Facenda showing the Bart Starr one-yard plunge in the ice bowl with Vince Lombardi's old hat. That's what we're going to – okay. I mean, how, we have no idea how aggressively they pursued Jonathan Taylor. And likewise happened with Miami. It did appear as though Miami was setting themselves up because they were freeing up some cap space and they got very close to within the cap space of what Taylor for this year was making. But the other thing, too, is I think any team is going to be hesitant because they know that he wants an extension. So why would you trade for a player unless you know for a fact that you can that you can extend him? Why would you trade for somebody that you know you might only be getting for like eight games, ten games, and you have no idea if it might take six of those just for him to get his ankle loose? I mean, the primary reason would be you feel like that he's the missing piece of your offense. I know, we, I know, I know we've talked about, A, he has to be healthy, and B, we mentioned as well, and we've talked about it with Todd Meyer a couple of times too, that the pass blocking that he brings to the table is not exactly ideal for a situation like Miami. But the other aspect of it Jake is if he wants a 13 to 15 million dollar a year evaluation on himself and we've yet to have official confirmation on what number he genuinely wants on an extension because the Colts have allegedly not offered him anything that's not as big of an ask for me if I'm a trading team if it's a three-year 13 14 15 million dollar deal assuming he's healthy if it's the 16 to 20 million dollar range and yeah that's a real balancing act a trading team has to deal with but if it's a second and a third or a second and a fourth and maybe something else sprinkled in for him that's not as big of a hurdle with contract negotiations depending on what his pay range is that he wants like i well, we've said this from the very beginning looking at average annual salaries and who's worth what when he first declared that he wanted to trade last month which is that if it's too much to stomach like more than christian mccaffrey's making per year no, he's not worth that. But if it's fourth or fifth most money, I don't have a problem with that if I'm a trading team. You know, you know what I think? Here, here's what we should do, okay? I, I used to occasionally smoke cigars called Henry Clay's. Henry Clay, the politician, was known as the great compromiser, okay? I'm going to be the great compromiser here. I've decided, effective today, that to spare our audience of repetition... We're not going to say Jonathan Taylor's name until there's new news about him. But anytime we were referencing him, we're going to call him Twiggy. Now, now, if I say, <laughs> now, how about that? Who doesn't love Twiggy, right? Twiggy is a water, he's a water skiing squirrel. We had him on the program. Yep. You and I both liked him a great deal. Yes. Uh, she, actually, I think. But but Twiggy sat in in the sternum of both of us. Mm-hmm. We, we both got to pet and and and. Look at Twi- and Twiggy looked up and when you, Twiggy when he looked in your eyes. Oh man, it was hey. special. 
I'm going water skiing. Just pet me, please. <laughs> right? That's all Jonathan Taylor's doing. It, oh, I, I, I violated it. That's all Twiggy's doing with the Colts. Twiggy is saying to the Colts, like, please, just give me love. That's all. <laughs> and the Colts have to determine, because at one point, Twiggy got a little bit fidgety in my sternum, and then I'm like, oh, gosh, Twiggy's going to jump out. Twiggy's going to create chaos. Not unlike Twiggy with the Colts, right? Not unlike Twiggy's representatives with that's, the Colts. That's you know, exactly right. in to try to make sure Twiggy's all right. Now, with Twiggy and the Colts, and by Twiggy, I mean the player wearing number 28, there actually might be a positive in all of this. Everything that's taking place right now with, okay, I'm already going to violate it, with Jonathan Taylor, everything that's taking place with him, and all of the drama that's going around and circling around and the, the request for a trade and the hitting, you're going out and, and searching on the market and deadlines and pup lists and non-football injury lists and mystery teams and all of it. In fact, what might be happening is exactly what should be happening. And in fact, what is taking place with all of this, like you look out right now, perfectly gorgeous day outside. I walked out this, I walked out, I I should say this morning, this early afternoon, basically to go to my car. And I'm like, it is like living in San Diego out here. Beautiful. Absolutely perfect outside. Perfect. And with the exception of a slight strand of the serious nature, the, the serious, excuse me, nature to the north of us, for the most part, not a cloud in the sky, right? But there's this one huge cloud hanging over West 56th Street. If you're on 465 right now, you're driving along, you're listening to us, which I greatly appreciate. You've got your sunglasses on because you're driving along and you're like, it is gorgeous out and the sun's coming through the sunroof and it's perfect. And if you're on 465 on the west side heading north, you get to about 38th Street and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I got to use the headlights. The hell just happened. I'll tell you what just happened. You're driving north towards 56th Street where there's a huge rain cloud hanging over. Practices are moving inside because there's a huge dark cloud hanging over the Colts right now that's been hanging around there, and we were been, we've been wondering for weeks whether or not they're going to be able to move it, whether or not they're going to be able to trade it, whether or not they're going to be able to get somebody else to take it, whether or not some other meteorologist is going to come in with the answer how to get rid of it. And in fact, it might be that that cloud is actually radiating perfect sunshine exactly as the Colts need it as they put on SPF 50. And I'll tell you exactly what I mean on the other side on how this could actually all be positive for Indianapolis. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You know what has always thoroughly confused me and somewhat aggravated me about this song? Before we get to my big payoff of my tease. What's that? So every year, the IndyCar race in Belle Isle. Turn it up a little bit right here, Eddie. Right here. Hold on. Right here. Okay. 
So every year the IndyCar race takes place in Belle Isle. It's now on the streets of Detroit, but in Belle Isle, which is in the Detroit River, there's little fun fun known fact here. Detroit is, I believe, the only area of the United States where Canada borders it to the south because there's Detroit and then the Detroit River and then Canada comes just underneath it. So Belle Isle, for example, is technically just south of Detroit, but the river is the, is the southern border of Detroit. So while I get... So there's a downtown Detroit, and if you walk backwards like you're walking south, you splash into the Detroit River, and then you turn around and you go, well, Detroit just pushed me into this river, so I'm done with that city. And then you you swim yourself another 50 yards south and get out, and you're standing in Windsor, Canada. So somebody needs to tell Steve Perry that South Detroit kind of doesn't exist. Why is it that when Eddie plays an older song, he gets a nice fun fact history lesson type deal, but when I play an older song... I get called out for making you What'd seem you older than you are. What you crucified yesterday for? <laughs> what song was it? Uh, because Eddie plays oh, one that was, segues. It was, it was Billy Joel. Again, the master. Billy Joel. When Eddie played the segue, that played it, my brain segued, right? So my apologies, Jim. Thank you yesterday for playing Billy Joel. I, I don't remember which song it was. <laughs> it that, was Moving Out. I, it actually is a decent song. but um, And the rest of the day, you got everything post-2000, I believe. I made that. My <laughs> goal you. was thank everything you. was 2000 and onward. I appreciate onward. that. You know what? It, it is weird. I think about, like I interned at MTV and, and all of the grunge bands that were big then, and it is weird to me to think like, man, those bands, I mean, that's almost 30 years ago. Those bands are 25, 30 years old. Classic rock, like we talked about. Okay, so I asked a question about Twiggy. Not the squirrel, but that's our name for Jonathan Taylor. It'll take people a while to get conditioned to this, Jimmy. I have to continually remind them that Twiggy is actually our reference for Jonathan. For our non, that's not fully true. For our busy graphics department, Eddie, perhaps we should send an email with a request to get a Twiggy lookalike drawing with a Jonathan Taylor jersey on the that back. is fabulous on on the skis yes yeah that's yes that's, I love that I got no but problem. not Taylor on the back of the jersey Twiggy on the back of the jersey yeah that's fine well because we're still trying to go he, with the motif but, but the, the water number. but the water skiing images of Twiggy he's coming at you right fair so, so you don't want to worry about it you just with the twenty eight on the front so here is he waving and then if he is is he waving hello welcome back or hello good or, or is he waving goodbye those are the questions right but here here's here is my thing about this situation. All kidding aside, the the big issue for the Colts and the boulder in the stream for them to a great extent is simply this. No one, myself included, no one questions that they have a wonderful talent in Jonathan Taylor. There is zero debate that when he is healthy, Jonathan Taylor has been has been in his tire in, in his time here. Jonathan Taylor has been two things: a fabulous talent and a good citizen. He, by all account, has been a good locker room guy. He, by all account, has been a, a good person in the community. He's been a nice guy, humble, works hard, exciting player, worth the price of admission. The last. Two or three years, the Colts fell into a victim, fell victim to, I should say, or fell into a vortex that's a tough one to get out of that no NFL team wants to be in, and that is not only were they not very good, they were boring. They're boring. You're going to go to the Colts game this day? I don't know. It takes a long time to get down there. The tailgates, you know, are, are great, and I love 
you know, Bullseye Event Group does the best tailgate in the NFL, and I love that they're here in town. But then I walk over, and it's a four and a half hour game. It's boring. They got there's no juice. Correct. But they had one guy that wasn't boring. When Hard Knocks was coming into town, and the Colts all of a sudden had this great out of kind of nowhere this 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 really good season and it looked like they were going to be knocking on the door for the playoffs and new England's coming to town and everybody's juiced and the whole country's watching and they got to put the game away. There goes Jonathan Taylor, 22 miles an hour down the sidelines. Exciting. He's been everything is advertised. Once he kind of figured things out. I mean, the first handful of games he was here, it's like, Whoa, is this Trent Richardson again? Then he got it figured out. He's been a wonderful player. No one disputes any of that, but there it is. Right. It was a prelude, I understand. Here's the thing, Jimmy. I've said it. Is my face blue? Not yet. Okay, it's about to be there because I said this till I'm blue in the face. But the unfortunate circumstance for Jonathan Taylor and for fans of Jonathan Taylor is this. And that is that once they swung and missed three times on the quarterback position, the timelines did not align. When they drafted Jonathan Taylor in the second round, they said, here's a guy that we think can be a huge offensive piece for us. Doesn't catch the ball out of the backfield, but we don't need him to because we're going to have a quarterback that we're going to have for five or six or seven years to make multiple swings at it, and he is going to be the complimentary piece to a guy that can get the ball downfield for us. And at first they thought that was going to be – Carson Wentz, obviously, you know, they had Phillip Rivers for a year and then they thought they'd get two out of him, but they never thought Phillip Rivers was the long-term solution. They thought Carson Wentz was the long-term solution. And obviously it didn't work out. Then they went and they got Matt Ryan. And they thought Matt Ryan still had something. They they thought, you know, the Atlanta supporting cast deteriorated around Matt Ryan, but this guy's a Super Bowl-level quarterback. And it turns out he had fallen off a cliff. So they basically then had to, as I've talked about, take the Etch-A-Sketch and wipe it completely clean and totally go to a new blueprint. And that new blueprint was, we are going to draft a young, unproven, hopefully franchise quarterback, and we are going to let him sit in the incubator until he and, and determine whether or not we want him to come out into the world right away or whether we're going to keep him in the incubator for a little bit. And they determined with Anthony Richardson, we want to see him go out and spread his wings and see what he can do. And the easiest way to do that, Jimmy, one of the best things that you can do for that is to give him all of the help you can, not only on the field, but off of it. On the field's a work in progress, clearly. Off of it, what you want is the attention and the focus away from the development of Anthony Richardson. Take the pressure off of him, take him out of the headlines, take him off of the conversation, which is almost impossible to do when a guy's a top five pick in the NFL and only played 13 games in college. But I ask you this, on this radio station, on this program, on the wake up call with KB and Andy, on JMV from three to seven or three to six, the replay from six to seven, throughout the course of the day, in Greg Doyle's columns, in Bob Kravitz's columns, and Mike Chappell's stories, what's everybody talking about? Jonathan Taylor. Who are they not talking about? Anthony Richardson. For now. Correct. It's been a nice little vacation period in terms of Anthony Richardson media coverage. Correct. But we are about, what, seven, eight, nine days away from 
the story distraction being four games out on the pup and not really being a story anymore outside no, of I get that. how would this offense look with him. But as long as he's in that building, as long as he's on that sure. roster, that cloud is hanging over. Sure. And that cloud that's hanging over is attached to one thing, and, and, and that's Twiggy, right? Yes. So... I failed the experiment. I'm sorry. Obviously, this is not in any way, shape, or form by design, Jimmy. And I know that I'm probably grasping at straws here, but there is an element of it that you wonder if, in fact, Anthony Richards is not the one that's like, hey, I turned on the radio yesterday, and that's all they're talking about. Jonathan, Anthony Richardson probably is opposed to our moratorium. He wants us talking about Jonathan sure. Taylor every day, right? Yes. What's happened now is instead of being sad about a broken egg, we're looking at it trying to make an omelet out of it, which is, hey, there's been this distraction at least. Things have moved on yeah, from the Anthony Richardson conversation. But at some point, you're still going to have to deal with that's fair. the criticisms that will inevitably be thrown Anthony Richardson's way because that distraction is there of Jonathan Taylor. It will still be there through the four games he's on the pup, but it isn't a, it's a transparent shield now. Because you're going to talk about how does Anthony Richardson look in games, and then once you're done with that rant, it will be, man, if JT was out there, how much better would this offense look? How much more comfortable would Anthony Richardson be? Do you like omelets? I'm more of a breakfast burrito guy. Really? Yeah. Eddie? Omelet guy? Occasionally. not. It's not one of my top choices, but yeah, I'll eat it. Like if you were in a hotel and they had an omelet, one of those little make-your-own-omelet bars, no. do you opt for that? No. Seems like a lot of work, doesn't it? Yeah. I'll grab a little box of cereal and call it a day. A little bagel. But I'm telling you, you go to, to Patitude, you get an egg white. Here, they should name this. I want somebody to go to Patitude and say, can you give me the query, please? <laughs> You're be like, what? <laughs> egg white omelet, mushroom, Swiss tomato. Fabulous. I'm just telling you. little breakfast burrito or breakfast quesadilla from Rosie's is my play. A quesadilla. That's what I like to get. Yeah. Yeah, I like to mispronounce. When I go into restaurants, I like to mispronounce everything. You know what I mean? To keep people on their toes, or just I mean, I like I, I like a side of guacamole. Don't get me wrong. There you right? go. Nice. I, I love it. Nice. Right? But you know, a chimichanga. Yeah, all about it. But the first four games, Jimmy, are we going to be talking more about? I, I, obviously, we're going to be scrutinizing and analyzing Anthony Richardson. I get it. But this is going to be a ubiquitous storyline until he is either on the field or traded, right? Yes. Or re- Let me rephrase that. It's going to be a ubiquitous storyline until he is either extended or traded. And it gets amplified if this running back room looks like, for lack of a better phrase, dog water Correct. by the time we're four games into the season. Correct. No, that's fair. Because even though the stress is that, well, the RPO is going to be, which it is, led and designed by Anthony Richardson, and to some extent, you don't have to have the high-powered back of Jonathan Taylor back there. If Zach Moss comes back and looks a step slow, or Deion Jackson and Evan Hole don't look the part, then those questions resurface of, man, wouldn't it be nice just to have this guy out there for the rest of the season to help along the development of the young QB? That's where that conversation shifts. You know, one of the things that surprised me was the fact that um, the Colts receiver room here's why I have issue with the Colts I'm mystified by the receiver room because you've got a young quarterback that you're trying to get established like they don't I mean after Alec Pierce did not have a great preseason but I think he's going to be a good player I mean he's shown already that he has the capability of being a good player but 
and, and Michael Pittman Jr., I think the world of, but like outside of that, it's really underwhelming, is it not? Yes. I mean, Josh Downs is uh, a pre-season slash post-draft hype train pick that rookies generally wind up struggling more often than not in the National Football League. That's a lot to say. Oh, he's going to be the best receiver in this room or the second best receiver in this room when you're expecting a leap forward from Alec Pierce and whatever Isaiah McKenzie as a vet is going to bring to the table. But no, there's no I mean, look at big Alec marquee Pierce. name on this list that makes me say eh, it's great for the development. Of Alec Andrew Pierce Richardson. forecasts for you perhaps what Josh Downs is, right? Look how long it took Alec Pierce to get footing yep. last year, even if he did. Yes. Uh, Mark joins us on the program. Hey, Mark, what's up? Hey, guys. Uh, quick question, and Jake, you tend to be a pretty good, knowledgeable guy about the NFL. Can the Colts trade Jonathan Taylor while he's on the pup list? And uh, I'm sorry, Mark. The other team- I'm sorry, Mark. Can can you use our, our uh, synonym, please? Oh, Twiggy. I'm yes, sorry. I, yes. so, so go ahead. Yes, My, right. we were, I, we're not supposed to talk about yeah. him in his personal name. I agree. Okay, did, so didn't mean to interrupt there, Mark, but if you could just go ahead and restart your question, but but following the show rule, the, 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 the very okay. temporary show rules. I am a rule follower, so yes. Uh, <laughs> Thank can you. The, can the, can the uh, Colts uh, trade Twiggy while he's on the pup list? And um, as part of that trade, obviously, the other side is going to want to do put him through a physical. Could they clear him? add him to the active roster and not have him keep him out four games okay two fabulous questions okay in terms of the second one and i will answer that first um it is my understanding that the pup list is it it, it sticks to the player regardless of franchise that's my understanding so if he so if he is traded then like let's just say for the sake of argument i'm just going to throw a team out there okay the arizona cardinals if Twiggy is traded to the Arizona Cardinals, he still must stay on their pup list. That is correct. Um, the other question, and I'm going to lean, Jimmy, on, on you with this, or we can ask Joel A. Erickson coming up here when he joins us in 14 minutes. I believe that you can, affirmative, that you can trade a player if he's on pup. You can. Yes. But it, but with the caveat, as we mentioned, the second half of that question, that he has to miss four games regardless of where he is. So it's the same as essentially a, a league it's suspension. It's like he's suspended, yes. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I think I got in trouble last night at the grocery store, and before Joel joins us at 1 o'clock, I need you guys to be judge and jury for me. Is that okay? We can do that. Okay, good. We'll do that next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. News starting to trickle in as players go through waiver process and teams try to evaluate who to bring in. Colts have been active on that front. This is from Mike Chappell and our next guest in about nine minutes, Joel A. Erickson. Colts claim three off waivers, an offensive tackle for Miami and Ryan Hayes, a linebacker from Dallas in Isaiah Land, and a guard from Philadelphia in Josh Sills. Give me the three positions again. Lineman, tackle, linebacker. Guard, tackle, and linebacker more specifically. No receiver. No receiver in that 
wave of claims off the waiver wire. Correct. By the way, do you know what I have in common with the second song now that Eddie Garrison has played coming back that is going to turn into an anecdote? I do not know. Uh, Roddy Van Zant at the beginning of that song, when they were recording Sweet Home Alabama, his headsets were not plugged in. And so he says, turn it up to the producer that was doing the mixing. And they just left they, it they picked up the microphone and they picked it. But that's kind of like he must have used this headset jack <laughs> in the studio. Here. So uh, was that on the first <laughs> time or the second time you watched Jeopardy that you learned that? <laughs> that was the four o'clock Topeka version. <laughs> okay. Then I sounded like an expert in Final Jeopardy yeah. at seven in Kansas City. Thank you, Eddie. Yeah. Uh, so the Colts went shopping yesterday, and there was not a receiver out there. That does feel like the position that they need. They still need some depth. We'll talk to Joel about that coming up in just a minute. Uh, I, I need you guys to tell me if you think I was – I try, I really do try to be – and I probably was impatient. But I go yesterday to the store. I will not say the name of the store. And I bought razors. Now, razors, for whatever reason, like sometime around, I don't know, 2012 or so, razors became an item that you have to refinance your home in order to buy. So to the point where now they're inside those big plastic box things. Yes. So I go up and and there are 12 registers that are all self-checkout. There's not a single person working other than the one person who's monitoring the self-checkout, right? So none of the the other registers are open, but the self-checkout area is open. And there's probably eight people. Okay. Okay. So I go to pit stall number one, literally like right there, right? Like I'm the first pit stall. Clean in, right there, on my bay. Scan what I need. And then you've got to blend back out as you're exiting the pit road, right? And there's people coming in and they're diving into other registers and they're coming out with their stuff. But but I've got a pretty clean path. So I go right there to register number one and I scan. I had like three things. The third of which is the big box of razors. So I see the attendant and I hold it up like, hey, do you have the little key, the little plastic magic key that unlocks this plastic box so I can actually then take home what I have purchased, right? So she comes over and says, once you have paid for it, I'll unlock it. Totally understandable. Fine. So I scan it. She stands there. I pay for it. Did you think you could outrun her? What's that? Did you think you could outrun her? Did you think about it for a second? I, I, okay. well, right. Did I think about it? Yes, of course. <laughs> but 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 again, the blending back into the pit stall, Jimmy, bit of a hindrance, right? There was yes. traffic on yeah. both sides. So I'm standing there. I hand her the thing so that she can unlock it. And she says, once you pay for it, I'll unlock it. I go, okay, no problem. So I pay for it. She stands and watches to make sure that I insert my card and use my pen and whatever. And, and the receipt spits out, we're done. She's, she now has in her hand the, the razors in the plastic container. And as she's going to unlock it, presumably, suddenly somebody in another pit stall has a problem. Their coupon's not being read. So she goes and she's helping them. And then, what do you know, this person has a problem. So she's got to go over there. And she's going literally bay by bay. And and at this point, I think she has forgotten that she is holding under her in her armpit my razors, right? Which now is a little bit disgusting in its own right. But uh, so I'm standing there just following along with her. So finally, by like the fifth person that she's like assisting. And now this guy, by the way, it, this guy's doing supermarket sweep and he's got 186 <laughs> items and the 93rd of which he thinks it might have been entered in the wrong price. So they're going through looking through everything. So I finally say to her, hey, I'm not trying to be rude, but like I'm done. I've already paid for that. You actually at this point, technically, you have my my possession there. Can you unlock it, please? 
and the guy looks at me and goes, hey, bud, <laughs> there's 10 of us and one of her. How about you relax? I'm like, yeah, no, I, I get that, but I'm done. That like, sounds you like uh, something you'd hear in a movie. Totally, right? So here, here's my question. I got exactly where you went with that, Eddie. Here's my question. Who's, am I in the wrong? Was I being too impatient? Not if you waited through for, like you said, one or two of those I would get. But if we're cycling through four or five uh, problems. I think she forgot. So then she, she looks at me and says, uh, you're not the only one here. Also, it's a... Okay. But I've already Whoa. paid for it. I would have thought also very fast process, I would think, or simple process. Correct. To be like, excuse me, ma'am, I'll be with you one second. I just got to unlock this. Correct. This like, like at some point, common sense has to come into play, right? Yeah. I now, see both sides of this. I kind of do. It's like it's like the situation between the Colts and Twiggy, right? I mean, both sides have very legitimate and compelling cases now, to be made. Now, was it busy at said grocery store at the time of which you were there? Was there uh, a line of also, people? Also an excellent question, Eddie. Thank you for the inquiry. It was like 10 minutes. They were saying on the loudspeaker, like, we're closing in 10 minutes. Okay. So I don't know probably you know, nobody I don't, there. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I don't have to get up early anymore. So yeah. I'm now back to my nocturnal ways, right? Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. I never left. Glad to have you. I never left my nocturnal ways. If really you want to know the truth, like ask Chris Denary or Kevin Lee. I'm doing the morning show here, and like at two thirty in the morning, Kevin Lee's calling me. He's like, "I'm driving back from Lime Rock from a uh, 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 Jackson's race, and I got to stay awake in the car. So let's talk about like when we went on the road to Edmonton in 07 I'm like, "Okay, you know, I got to get up in like four hours, right? Okay, no problem. It's just how it goes. So." So if you then I get paranoid because I'm like, okay, I, I mean, I don't pretend by any means that this would be the case, but I'm like, I, I don't want someone like sending a tweet out that like they saw me at the grocery store and I was a jerk, but I felt like I was kind of in the right. Now, how did you respond to the, not only the man, but the lady working? Thank you again, Eddie, for the inquiry I, to the guy. I kind of gave it to like, look, man, it's a common sense issue here. I mean, like this is, it's going to take like five seconds. And I said to him, I go, but I'm done. Like, I don't think you get it. Like I kind of get, he didn't understand. I think he thought I was still in the process and, and had wandered down yeah. to pull her away. And she, on the other hand, never said a word to me. She never said a word to anybody. <laughs> these people don't talk have you noticed this these people don't talk anymore like it used to be you go and like hey thank you for coming like anything? well not at did the store everything? that i go to did they you, talk all the time did you find everything okay yeah, yeah, yeah. no I, I need to find out where you're i feel like that to. portion of dialogue has been 86th with the self-checkout over the last 15 that is years 1000 percent correct and kudos for the restaurant lingo yes totally Thanks. agree yeah. totally Happy agree. To do it. uh joel a erickson joining us next Jimmy, earlier you mentioned that Eddie gets free passes on the music reentry. Yes, Eddie, you're fired. <laughs> you're fired. Uh, th- 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 this song reminds Matt, Matt Booza just scored a touchdown at the RCA Dome, and they've been using this song as a touchdown song for the Colts for 40 years. Right? Yep. I'm retiring this song along with using Jonathan Taylor. Do you want to explain the Jonathan Taylor Twiggy rules to Joel A. Erickson? Of course, Joel. How are you? What's going on? Not much. Just following the waiver wire like you are, my friend. We have new rules, though, in place here on Query and Company. We don't know how long these rules are going to last. but An hour. <laughs> we had the opportunity to uh, interact with Twiggy the Water Skiing Squirrel when we were out at the Boone County Fairgrounds last Friday for the Hoosier Hardwood Festival. And we've decided now that we're putting a moratorium on Jonathan Taylor's name, and we're referring to him as Twiggy. Um, for the context of our listeners. So now you're up to speed whenever you hear us ask, hey, how is Twiggy feeling after all of this? Is that good? Is that a fair explanation? Yeah, I, I will try to keep up on it. I'll do my best. 
So for you out of the gate then, were you as surprised as I was that Twiggy was still on the pup after all the dust cleared yesterday? Um, I can explain that if you want, but what my surprise was, just because it felt like that was, I don't want to say worst case scenario, but it, it really puts more red flags up for me of, man, this must be a serious injury or a serious lingering thing with the ankle for both him and the Colts being willing to have him miss four games of the season. Well, obviously Mike Chappell reported that the Colts feel like the injury is not something there, which adds another layer to this whole thing. Um, The injury piece is the most mysterious of it. I think the least mysterious piece of it is that this kind of feels like a World War One battle at some level now where we're just sitting on either sides of a terrible field and no one is willing to come over to the other side and they just gotta keep doing this for however long. I, I don't know. I'm I'm as tired of it as, as you guys are and it just doesn't feel like there's any movement coming either way. Joe Let's go over a few things that I think people are going to have questions about. And we've gone over a little bit of this, but I want clarification, okay? By going on to the pup list, Twiggy cannot play for the first four games regardless of what happens, correct? Correct. Okay. By going on the pup list and not being eligible to play for four games, Twiggy can still be traded, correct? Also correct. Okay. But his value, theoretically, in terms of what the Colts are hoping to acquire back for his services if they were to trade him, would theoretically be at least they would get market value or above, regardless of how that mar- what the market value is. They need people to see that he's healthy, right? I mean, that, so I guess my question is, like, is there a conundrum here in terms of if you are the Colts, the exact motivation of the pup list would be what? It's 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 just to I guess it's just to continue the status quo. Honestly, like the the some of the other stuff that came out after the the move last night complicates everything. But it's just it's just a, a continuation of the status quo. I, I don't really know in terms of the motivation of the pup like. Keeping him on there, if if they really believe he's healthy, which was reported and and not, then I don't necessarily understand keeping him on the pup list because that lends credence to the idea that he's still hurt. Uh, it doesn't necessarily help. Like you, like you said, it doesn't necessarily help his trade value, although there were teams interested despite the injury, so there's clearly something, um, you know, some reason for them to think that there's uh, you know, a reason that he could be healthy soon. I, I don't. I don't know. They, keeping him on the pup list, it just feels like we're just going to stay in this space that we're in right now, rather than um, have the hard stuff happen. Joel, what position? When you looked at the final roster for the Colts, what position is the one that you're like, man? I they did not do enough here. Well, wide receiver for sure, since they only have four. I, that that is a total mystery to me. I, did they? And, and I, look, the waiver wire is still. I, you know, they still may be stif- sifting through it. There, there has to be more, right? 
they they did not claim anybody on the waiver wire. Now they can still sign people. They can still sign veteran help that was not subject to the waiver wire. But they did not claim anybody. They claimed three people. Two of them were offensive linemen. I think we all could have guessed that and did. One was an outside linebacker. I haven't had a chance to really look at him yet, but I'm I'm assuming he has special teams value. Um, no wide receivers were claimed. I assume they have to sign a, a, a receiver. I just don't, like, I don't know how you could go. Especially I, I just reported that. Um, Jelani Woods may be going on injured reserve. Um, so it, the, the five tight ends might be four right away. Um, so I, I assume there's going to be a signing. The, 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 what they did at receiver this offseason, essentially, was they took a whole bunch of guys who played in the NFL with varying levels of success. Um, I mean, I shouldn't – varying levels of success that did not equal like an actual, you know, you know, bona fide, like maybe could start type of player. And they gave all of them a chance to kind of get back into the NFL, recapture whatever they had, right? And they cut all of those guys. Um, they cut all, every single one of those guys. Um, so that, that plan didn't really work out. And now, now they have to make a signing. You can always find receivers, um, veteran receivers. Uh, I've, I've been told that it's not likely that a couple of them will be back. I don't think James Washington will be back. I don't, I'm not, I don't, think Vincent Smith is going to be back. Um, but they, even on the practice squad, they have, they have to add like three wide receivers, I would think, plus the guy that they have to add on the active roster. So that position, what they did at that position, like they, they took a ton of flyers during the offseason. Essentially, none of them worked out. Joel, on the Miami side of things in regards to the trade value and trade scenarios for Tweedy, Barry Jackson is one that I've followed closely. By the way, for those just joining the program, that is our nickname for Jonathan Taylor. I should probably throw that in. Yes. So we need that to but be. But thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate in, it. In the same way we yeah. introduce Joel A. Erickson, Colts right. beat writer for the Star, we also need to Audience clarify sets every five few minutes. minutes or yes, so. okay. we, we need yes. to. Yeah. Twi- Twi- Twiggy is a forced pseudonym by Query and Company for Jonathan Taylor. I, I followed Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald Times a lot in terms of his reporting along with yours and Stevens and, and Mike's for the duration of the last couple of weeks. And he had mentioned that from his Dolphins people he talked to, Finns wanted to do a deal on their terms. Of course, that's language that any team is going to say. But he referenced Indy wanted the sky and the moon. In your reporting, I'm not asking you to, to report on what Barry is reporting, but on, on your reporting on this front, was there anything close to what the Colts were looking for in terms of trade conversations with either Miami or the mystery team that was Green Bay? And if not, was the sky and moon that's being alluded to a first-round pick? Was it just counteroffers that involved players that teams weren't willing to move from? Uh, Where, if anything, was revealed in terms of the true bar the Colts had in these negotiations on your end? I don't have this, but I've seen several people throw out that Jalen Model was a request at one point, which is... Yeah. Nope. Probably a non-starter if if there was ever any. <laughs> um, and if that's if that's where they were, I mean, trying to think about you know the Packers are reportedly the second team. I'm trying to think of what the the analog there is. Like, did they ask for Christian Watson? Like, I, I don't. <laughs> um, you know that that these are really really big asks um, that I don't think you would expect to really get. Not, I mean, even if you just look at the Christian McCaffrey deal, I don't think you got anything that approximates what Jalen Waddle would get on the open market. So it, it does seem like they were looking for an awful lot in a market that 
is probably not going to give that up for a running back for the same reasons that they probably are not going to pay their not probably that for the same reasons they're not going to pay their running back. Joel, have you ever seen the movie? Uh, Joel, have you ever seen the movie? Joel A. Erickson is our guest. Have you ever seen the movie Major League, the original one? I know it's like thirty years old. Oh uh, no, I, I've seen it like every year for the entirety of like since I was eight. Filmed so. in Milwaukee, yeah. by the way. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's Bob, that's Bob Euchre's. Um, like sadly, that's what most people remember Euchre for. No, you're right, no, absolutely. Just a bit outside absolutely. for sure. <laughs> So in, in the movie, I was reminded of Major League. I'm going to give you a trivia question then, Joel Erickson. If you have seen the movie Major League, which I would assume that the vast majority of our listening audience has seen the movie Major League, okay? Yesterday when the final roster was set, and I shouldn't say final because we know there are tweaks to it, but when the Colts made their cuts and you go on Colts.com and you click on roster and you can click on depth chart, I actually, in my mind, immediately thought of a scene from the movie Major League. Now, I hate to put you on the spot, Joel, and create the potential of awkward dead air on radio by asking you (laughs) if you can guess which scene I'm referencing, but I'm going to do exactly that at this point. What scene or what line am I referencing that I thought of from Major League as the Colts yesterday made their final cuts and solidified you know preliminarily their roster uh is it the is it the line i'm not going to get the line right but is it the line about um it's a full of like never was's and has-beens and that 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 scene (laughs) i got a guy on line two about some white walls no (laughs) here's here's what it was joel it was the uh the the guard the the grounds crew guys like after spring training, the grounds crew guys are like oh, putting in home okay, plate, yeah. and one of them's like, "Who are these guys? I've never heard of these guys." Yeah. I, yeah. Listen, I don't, I don't nuanced. Admittedly, by my own admission, I mean, yeah, I was out there at Grand Park. I mean, how many times did you see me? People say that I don't go out there. How many times was I out there? Like eight, probably ten. Yeah, and, you're out there, and, and I morning times. You know, and I watched the preseason games and everything else. But I will admit, I'm not saying that it means that they're bad players. But there seem to be a higher percentage of guys on this roster than I can recall in years past where I'm just like, yeah, I'm not overly familiar with what this guy can do. That's not to say he can't play. But it seemed to me to be very underwhelming in terms of its overall depth. Tell me well, I'm wrong. Just, just to underscore underscore what you're saying, the, the four – now they, they have claimed two players – on the offensive line, so that's that's going to change. But the four players that that were the the backups on the offensive line had combined for one career start when that was released yesterday. The cornerbacks, outside of Kenny Moore, who we all know, uh, the cornerbacks had 174 snaps among all of them. The the safeties, Julian Blackman, heading into the final year of his rookie deal, is the old man of that group. The others are all in their second season. And, and I think Colts fans know them, but they're, they're in their second season. Like, this is a very young group. This is not a very established group. Some of the guys who, ha- who are somewhat established, you have, are, are, it's, it's been one year and you want to see it again. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're taking a lot of risks and, and trying to, and hoping something comes out of uh, a bunch of guys who don't necessarily have the track record. I think that's completely fair to say. Yep. So when they, so what player is now kind of on the bubble? 
you know, as they go through or what positions are on the bubble, as they go through and they find players that they want to claim from elsewhere to put on their roster, it probably comes at the sake of where. I mean, I know you mentioned like the tight end position if you, if you go to IR there, but where else do they have flexibility to be able to maneuver around some pieces? Well, they've claimed two offensive linemen, and I, I don't think that they're going to keep 11. So I would assume that a couple, like somebody is going to get bad news there. Um, they had six linebackers. They claimed one. It seems like, in theory, you could keep seven, but it seems unlikely because they play special teams, but it seems unlikely, so that might be another spot. The one-for-ones on some of that stuff is, is obvious. If you if you bring in a wide receiver, maybe that makes up for a you know a, an IR decision, whether that's Shalani Woods or somebody else. Um, there's probably a defensive tackle that you don't really feel great about because DeForest Buckner already plays 75% of the snaps and Dayo Adengbo and Taekwon Lewis and Adetama Adabare all play defensive tackle at least on passing downs and they kept five of those guys so I think that that's probably a spot that you don't feel great about if you're a an agent of a player who's on that in, on that bubble um, that there, that's some of the spots that there's there's surpluses or, or obvious places that they might make a move. Do you think the Colts' defensive line uses the most letters for last names of any team in the league? <laughs> that's a great question. It's got to be close, right? I mean, the, maybe, you have like you've maybe, got, but Quiddy, but Quiddy Pay is bringing down the average considerably. Mm, that's a fair point. That's fair. Um, Taven Bryan also bringing down the average. Uh, there's no like there's I, I I would need to know if there's like an NFL defensive lineman version of Christian Encarnacion Strand. How, how about this? <laughs> how about this? Does the Colts defense have the most random use of vowels in terms of the last names on the back of jerseys of any team in the league? Well, in terms of random, that depends on what cultural setting we're in. I, I, of course. <laughs> I mean, that, that, you know what I mean, but like. Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. Oh, uh, they they have a, they have a lot of players who have, um, you know, names that I guess would not be necessarily familiar to. Hey, man. I mean, gonna, in all honesty, Joel, old sections of America is that the right way to well, put this it? This is this is a good thing about it. To be honest with you, it, it shows, and I I applaud this. As we have said a million times in the NFL, if you can play, they're going to find you. You know what I mean? The stories, the backgrounds, the 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 areas where guys are coming from. Um, whether it be international, national, whatever it might be, small schools, big schools, the roster is made up of all corners because if you can play in the National Football League, they are going to find you. Right, right. No, I mean, well, and, and you know, the other thing is I think that there is a um, a clear – I think if you look not just with the Colts but around football, there is um, – a group of either first generation or second generation African families from different parts Correct. of Africa right. are playing a lot of football now. Um, and you're starting to see that kind of everywhere. And, you know, you, I think that that's, that's probably a good thing too. Oh, totally. I mean, Quiddy Pay is a great example of an awesome mm-hmm. story, right? I mean, just of the background and his mother and all of it, you know what I mean? I mean, it's the fantastic stories, no question about it. Um, but I want to get back to Joel. I, I just, I am honestly like I guess maybe I'm I'm overstating, but I I quite frankly was just stunned at 
when you have a quarterback in Anthony Richardson that you are trying to develop, it would seem to me that what you need to do in developing him is doing everything you can to build him as many weapons around as possible. And to and I know that they're going to add to it theoretically, but they just are so th- – I mean, not only do they, Joel, only have four receivers right now, but how many of them are reliable you absolutely know on Sunday going to play and be reliable targets for him? Two? I mean, I think Downs could be a good player, but he's but but at no fault of Downs, I mean, Alec Pierce last year was inconsistent as a rookie. Reggie Wayne is a rookie. A lot of people, you know, were like wondering how long he was even going to last, and then obviously he took off in his second year, and we know what happened. But receiver takes a while, man. It takes a while, and you got not one but two guys that are still young and getting their footing. I mean, how many times can they throw to Michael Pittman? I, I mean, I, I think that's I think that's completely fair. It's one of the things that that people have brought up with the Bears and Justin Fields. You know, how much of how much of what he hasn't done passing-wise is Justin Fields and how much of it is what the Bears haven't given him. The Bears haven't given him a good offensive line. You know, I think the Colts would say that they're pretty optimistic about their offensive line, the starters, but they, they made two claims um, already on, on the backup part of it, and you can't expect to, all those starters to play every game. We've, we've all said that over and over again. You know, 2019 happened and everyone played every game, and that was crazy. And it's not going to happen again for another 30 years or whatever, you know. So it, it not bringing in the experience depth, not having the experience depth on the offensive line, I, I think all that stuff is very fair. I mean, I we, we were going through, uh, uh, myself and Nate Atkins on the Cover 2 podcast that we were doing, we were going through the reasons that you would not start Anthony Richardson. And, I, you know, I thought that the uh, the, the, the best one, the one that I, that I could make the case for the easiest was, the team is not ready for him. You know, the team around him is not ready for him to start because they can't provide him that kind of support. I thought that that, that might be the one that we end up looking back on and going, that, that could be an issue going forward. I, I agree with you. Totally agree with that, that, that take on it. Joel Erickson with us, covers the Colts for the Indy Star. Joel, what in your mind was the biggest reason that Darius Rush was waived? Uh, he hasn't been, I think more than anything, it just, he hasn't, he was hurt a lot. He wasn't on the field. He had the big interception, but he also had a play in the next preseason game that he got beat. I think there were some on the practice field, too. Um, I will say I will say he's been claimed by the Chiefs already. Um, he's, he's already gone. The, 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 picking him where you did in the fifth round, I, I, would, I would like to have – I maybe would have liked to have hung on to him and seen what he seen if if he could develop a little longer, especially with what the coaching staff said about his ball skills and how they need to have more interceptions and how they didn't have that. Um, you know, he's a fifth round pick. You're not. So I wonder if there was something preparation wise they didn't like or whatever. But I mean, the skill set was clearly there, and he did have natural ball skills. Ron Miles said that even in the, the few amount of snaps he was out there in the spring, he had four picks. So what we saw against Buffalo was something that they that he had in his profile. I I would have liked to have seen them hang on to him longer. That's just me. If we're speculating slightly more, let's not use Jalen Waddle, but let's just say the Colts were looking for a wide receiver in these trades, just for the sake of argument, for Twiggy and for those of you just joining us, Twiggy is the surname for Jonathan or the surname right. rather for Jonathan Taylor. Um does that kind of put a bow on where the wide receiver room is that they would be 
shooting for a starting level wide receiver in trade negotiations? Or is that reading too far into it? I mean, they weren't going to get one. Right. So but they're look, they're, they're reportedly the plan, looking, if right? Plan, it's a bad, if that's the plan, it's a bad plan. I agree. <laughs> you know, I, I can't imagine that that was the actual plan. I, I would bet I would bet that just based on on their on his history, I would bet that later when when I and the other reporters talk to Chris Ballard that he says he likes the receiving room better than we do. I would almost guarantee you that as well. Now, now does he say that organically, or does he just replay the tape of the last six years when he's been saying that? <laughs> I, I, I'll just put it this way: I think it's right at the tip of his tongue. Instead of the word, why does he? Does he start it with look? Probably. Look. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you guys are always killing me about the receiver room, but I, I just, you know, I can't do a, a, a Chris Ballard, but you There's a little W in there. I, I just, <laughs> that is correct, yeah. I, you know, Joel, let me ask you this question this directly. Do we have enough body of work now to say that we are confident in Chris Ballard's ability to build a roster? I mean, they were four and twelve and one last year after six years. So, I would say if he didn't have confidence, that would be understandable. I I I think that this is a re- like drafting Richardson, hiring Steichen, and is, is kind of ended up being a reset for 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 Ballard. Zero question about that. And I give him credit. I thought I, I thought last year, Joel. I applaud the fact that I thought for the first time he showed some humility and transparency of basically saying, "Guys, look, I, I made some mistakes," and I think that's all people wanted to hear, right? Yeah. Um, but in terms of in terms of well, and the other thing is, I think some of the stuff that people have wanted to see hasn't happened yet and I, I think that the, the answer to that is probably that the Colts feel like they're they're trying to tread water and rebuild a little bit um well, well they see what they have with Richardson but ultimately I don't think that necessarily anything that happened this offseason would make Colts fans feel like they've seen a, a huge difference in the way he operates um maybe I mean honestly maybe uh, I was about to say that maybe the way they're handling the running back uh is 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 a sign of is a sign of change given that they've handed out these extensions to everybody else, including players who are injured and they're not doing it to him. Um but that to me is the biggest one so far in, in terms of how they've operated is is that at least in terms of the changes he said he would make. Joel, is the bar being a first round pick based on you mentioned the McCaffrey trade earlier and there wasn't a first rounder involved there and I, I kind of think that McCaffrey impacts the game in a more variety of ways than Jonathan Taylor does if the bar was a first round pick or if the deadline was fake which I kind of think it is if a good enough offer arrives they'll make the trade but if the bar was a first round pick is it safe to say that that was never going to get traction around the league anyway I mean, I, I would say the entire offseason has said it even more than the McCaffrey thing. Because I, I would guess that, that you, I, I think you can make a credible case that McCaffrey's injury history was much worse than Taylor's. I agree. Um, and the age and, and tread on, on McCaffrey. I mean, he had a 100 catches one season in addition to all his carries. Like, you could, I think you can make it, I think you can make that case pretty. In terms of, like, the comps you would make, in term in a trade or a contract or something like that, I think that that's a pretty credible argument. Um, but just just look at like the Vikings couldn't trade Delvin Cook. Um, everything that's happened with the the 
the we're we're just at a a I, it it feels like a bottoming out point for running backs. I mean, maybe it could go lower. Maybe there's an alternate reality where in five years running back franchise tags are, are essentially the same as a specialist franchise tag, which would be crazy. Um, but it's not as far off as it see as you would think uh, right now. Um, I mean, you think about like the franchise tag for running backs right now is 10.1 million. Uh, Matt Gay signed the, I believe, second biggest contract for a kicker behind Justin Tucker's making six million. Matt Gay is making 5.38 average per year. That's that's not as big a gap as you would think. <laughs> um, in terms of where those salaries are, so maybe it can get even further down. But it, it does feel like we're at the bottom of what teams are willing to do at the running back position. Joel, who's your favorite? Cleveland Indian in the movie Major League. Oh, I, uh, I'm a I'm a Serrano guy. That bingo. That, that he, no question. This guy I'm hits a, it a ton. I'm Why a, didn't anybody else sign him? And and as a as a longtime Brewer fan, like there were a lot of guys in in Brewers past, like starting with like Rob Deere and. Chris Carter was there for a little while, and Richie Sexit. There's been a lot of like super powerful guys who maybe couldn't hit breaking pitches that well. Like there's there's a special place in my heart for those guys. So yeah, definitely a Serrano guy. Serrano was great. I, there's no question about it, right? Um, yeah. Now the Lou Brown was pretty cool though, right? I mean, we can agree. Oh, with the manager is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Forget yeah. about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. Yeah. yeah. Un- unbelievable. I mean, and and I I was a catcher when I played, and so obviously Jake Taylor. I have some questions about the way Jake Taylor handles, handles his personal life. A little stalkerish. He didn't know when to let it go, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But anytime you give me a catcher in a movie talking to a batter, like, it's, that's just, you're just, that's red meat for me. Like, I could watch that all day. You could make a whole movie that's just a game of a, of a catcher like picking on batters, and I would watch that. Was the manager's it. name major? What was the man? Was it, Lou, it was Lou Moore, wasn't it? I thought you were right with Lou Brown. Lou Brown. That's what I meant. Lou, Lou Moore was yeah, a basketball yeah. player. Lou Brown. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, who played him? J and B would know this immediately. I don't know because I, I, I always know. I should know that. Because here's the thing. So Lou Brown was played by James Gammon. I'm looking at it right here. Right. Uh, okay. Would it, it conf- I would be confused because I get easily confused between, you know, forget about the curveball, Ricky, give him the heater. I get confused between that and that's my diabetes. So, <laughs> like I get him confused with Wilford Brimley. And by the way, I can take I can say this now since Wilford Brimley's no longer with us. I will tell you that I had a friend in college that worked at a um, resort out in the one of the Mountain West states. And, you know, it was one of these big resorts where people go, and he worked in the kitchen staff, and he got paid, like, triple time one week because they're like, yeah, um, a nudist colony has rented out the the resort. <laughs> and so, you know, he's, like, making omelets for naked people in the morning, and one of them was Wilford yeah. Brimley. And he said, <laughs> Wilford Brimley said to him, I'm going to assume that you're not going to say anything about this, and I won't either. And that was it. <laughs> My buddy's like, sure. Did you want uh, mushrooms on that? <laughs> True story. Just thought I'd share. I hope Wilford Brimley's not no longer with us, or else I could be in for a, some. Yeah, he died in 2010. He did. Yeah. Okay. Did you look that up, or did you know that? I mean, in today's day and age, in today's day and age, you can't like if you're a celebrity and you say, "I assume this isn't going to get out there." You should know that you're you're going to get. Well, out. you you know what he ordered to eat, don't you? A naked burrito. Just so you know. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Joel, I'm sure you've been thrilled to have spent this better part of your afternoon with us, but we appreciate it. Oh, that was a fantastic ending. I really enjoyed the ending of that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Joel. I appreciate it. I uh, look forward to talking to you again, man. Be busy. I know it's going to be a busy couple days here with the roster set, so I appreciate the time. Yeah, you bet. You bet. All right, Joel A. Erickson. By the way, when it comes to the Colts and the rosters and just kind of what's been taking place around the league, uh, we're going to get that perspective from Sports Illustrated as well. That's going to come up uh, when Matt Verderham, right? Did I say that correctly? Verderham. Verderham. Darn it. I wrote it down phonetically, but I, I, I've had always had a mental obstacle with that. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I have asked this question before, but I'm going to ask it to the two of you. And by the way, Jimmy Cook, I love your Pizza King t-shirt. You know, I put this on today. And the thought was that if I got a compliment from you out of it, because I figured you like local Indiana ties, that it was a successful yeah. choice. That, that, that is a very cool t-shirt. Uh, Jimmy Cook, that is the voice that you just heard. Eddie Garrison here as well. My name is Jake Quarry. Thanks for joining us. It is Quarry and Company here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We have talked plenty today, uh, understandably so, about the Colts and the roster and the NFL movement. We will continue to do so for the better part of this show, but... Uh, college football being upon us as well. My question for you guys is this, and I always find this fascinating because you have in college football your teams that are your traditional but powers, but they're you know they're ebb and flows to it. Alabama clearly is the the gold standard of the last decade and a half under Nick Saban, and has been. I mean, under Bear Bryant, it was. A, a massive power. But, you know, I recall, like, there were periods in, in the era where I was, like in high school and college, where Alabama was was kind of resting on its laurels of the Bear Bryant era. And then, you know, they ended up, when I was a freshman in college, they actually won the title. But it was kind of like a Gene Stallings was there. It was I'm not going to say a fluke, but it was kind of a surprise Miami was a major power and is now trying to recapture that. Michigan and Ohio State have always been good. Penn State's always been good. I mean, no question about it. There are other programs that kind of come and go as like the sexy it schools. And there's one of them that I'm thinking of when I ask this. But I'm going to ask you guys right now, Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison, if you were the number one and we'll just go with an innocuous position here so the style of play is not necessarily applicable. You're the number one punter. Say that. You're the number one punter in the country. And you're getting recruited by every major program except, Jimmy, in your case, Notre Dame. Notre Dame has decided that they don't want you as a punter. Give me the three schools that would most intrigue you. Where you're like, you know what, that that would be a cool... And I'm talking, you, you got to base everything into it. Give me the three that you think would be like pretty cool to go to. USC, Miami, probably Alabama. Okay, hard to argue those three. Eddie? I will also say USC. I'll throw in Clemson because I love the atmosphere. There you go, brother. Clemson. 
Look at Eddie. No. Kissing up here. You want, hey, you want to go to a Clemson game? <laughs> sure. I'll take you to a Clemson game. We got to live by the query rules on a Clemson game, though. I haven't heard of these. I've heard them briefly. So I go to two to three Clemson games a year, right? Yep. Bonsai trip, I call it. 552 miles door to door. We go down. I stay in the same hotel. We drive to Hendersonville, North Carolina, roughly an hour and 10 minutes from Clemson. So we drive down Friday night. We stop one time, one time on the way down, same gas station every time, get to Hendersonville. When we get to Hendersonville, get in the hotel room, get up in the morning. As soon as the tires touch the interstate, same song has to play. I have it queued up. As soon as the tires touch the, inter- the interstate, that song Superstitions. Plays. Correct. Keep going. I just want to make sure I'm on the same plane. Um, then when, when when we get to Clemson, I park in the same spot every time. Okay. Um, that seems hard. What's that? Is that... I feel like that would be difficult to do at a major sporting event. Uh, guy owns a small real estate company okay. that's not far away. He parks people in his backyard. The second time that I did it, he noticed my plate from Indiana. He's a fan of the Indianapolis 500. Say no more. I park there every okay, single then. time. There you go. So we park there, uh, go to the stadium, get the same thing t- to eat, but it has to be during the first half. No, no eating during the second half. Then on the way back, uh, walk back to the car, stop at the same gas station while leaving town, get the same drinks for the drive home, bonsai trip home, no stopping, uh, same song, different song, but when the tires hit the interstate on the way back and uh, straight through bonsai drive, usually eight hours and five minutes. Two important follow-ups. One, have they ever lost to a game you've gone to? Excellent question. Thank you, Jimmy, for asking that. Uh, I have been actually to 28 games at Clemson Memorial Stadium in the last seven years and they are 27 and one the only loss they had was to pit did you forget to do one of the traditions that day uh okay also a great question no but i took my buddy damian bowman who has now been banned uh <laughs> damian is no longer allowed into the stadium all traditions were upheld but um and they actually won the national title that year it was the first year that they won the national title that uh not the first year they won right. obviously in 80 uh 82 uh, 81 but first of this era Correct. The the first of the two that they won. Eddie, do you still want to go? Yeah. Okay. Oh, my third team would be LSU. LSU'd be great. Have you ever been to that campus? Mm-mm. Gorgeous. LSU. I I couldn't believe when I went to the LSU campus. Absolutely beautiful. Beautiful lake in the middle of it. Gorgeous. That's really, a, any any top five, top seven SEC school I would think belongs in. Probably top five, top so seven. Probably a little the, rich. The reason I ask, one of the. Do you have yours, by the way? Well, Clemson would be mine, but Clemson's Clemson. my Notre Dame to you, right? Correct. So we'll take that off the board. Um, you know, this weekend I'm going to be in, in Portland, and there was a time where Oregon was intriguing to me just because it was new. And So if we're going with the – I mean, obviously USC, I'm a warm weather guy, okay? Texas is one that I would have said, but I was stunned when I went – have you ever been to the University of Texas? No. Like, I thought Texas would be like this gorgeous campus in Austin, Texas. Matthew McConaughey waiting for you when you walked up. I I was going to do my, I started to do Lou Brown there. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Um, McConaughey, obviously, yes. Like, that, that whole vibe is just cool, right? Yeah. I was surprised when I went to Austin. I was disappointed when I went to Texas, to the university, because it's basically just a huge rural, it's like Ann Arbor. It's just a big, civic, sprawling campus. It's not like some gorgeous little enclave, right? Um, But I do think Texas is cool. But the one school, and the reason why I brought all this up, 
the it school right now that was an it school for literally a five-year window when I was in high school. The two schools that were the it schools of the north side of Indianapolis when I was of that age were Arizona for and I'm not talking athletically. I'm just saying for kids to go to school there. Arizona was a big chic it school. Everybody wanted to go to Arizona, right? I when I took the SATs, I filled out the little form uh, to send my SAT scores to the University of Arizona because I thought it'd be cool to get mailings from University of Arizona, and I thought maybe I could go to University of Arizona. And I, I miscalculated it, and I actually started getting uh, tons of mailings from the Arizona um, State University of the Navajo. And they were like thrilled that I was interested in going to school there. And I'm like, ooh, I, I sent the wrong <laughs> format. Um, but Colorado. Colorado was the other big it school. Bill McCaffrey was there. That was when, you know, Cordell Stewart, Rashawn Salam, that whole group, Michael Westbrook. And then Colorado, for whatever reason, completely fell off a cliff. But now with Deion Sanders. And, and Boulder is this super cool, chic city, and it's absolutely gorgeous, and they've got cool-looking uniforms and the gold helmets so you can pretend like you're at Notre Dame, but you're not at Notre Dame, you're at Colorado. That's a key difference. Um, but it is amazing what Deion Sanders has done already to make Colorado relevant again. And, and I'm not saying that he even did it in a scrupulous nature, because when he got there, he basically was like, look, if you don't want to be here, like get out. Like He, he completely flipped the roster. But... You know, what he did at Jackson State was impressive. I guess my question is, we know that he can accumulate talent, but can he coach? And I, I'm intrigued to see. I want them to work because from I've always felt like, Jimmy, and I've said it a thousand times, sports is about nostalgia, right? Like, you like Notre Dame. Give me the reasons, again, that you're a Notre Dame fan. My great-grandfather went there. Uh, a lot of Notre Dame fans. Not all of them, but the Catholic ties are there, too. I grew up a Catholic. Like, I, I don't know. I just might... Dad would always take me to games. That's where he took right. me. Like that, that, that's where we went. Bingo. At least once or twice a year during the college football so season you, was Notre Dame game. So when you think of – I'm convinced of this. Part of why you want Notre Dame to do well and part of why when you're watching a game and they're down six and they've got the ball and they're driving and you're wanting them to win is because in that moment, if they are to win, it allows you to take yourself back to a time that is nostalgically blissful to you of an innocence and a romance and an excitement and a bond between you and your dad, yes. right? Yes, That's exactly no what sports is. And for many people, it's that. It's that your dad was a fan of the team. It's that you... You ask people like, so why are you a such and such fan? We went on a family vacation when I was four and a half and mom bought me a hat of that team. And that, and I just, I've always, when I see that team and their hat, it takes me back to that vacation and how much fun, you know, that kind of thing. And for me personally, like the time period when Colorado was really good and, and, and relevant was a, a, magical time in my life like most people I mean that age of like 17 to 22 right I mean that's and so I want Colorado to be good for that factor but I also kind of have this dichotomy of emotion within me of but do I want them to be good to the point of validating the kind of like shady nature in which Deion Sanders has put this together and I like Deion Sanders he's he's a fun personality um but he had a bravada about him when he got there, Jimmy, that I could see rub people the wrong way, right? Yes. I mean, some of the things he said and the, you know, some of the some of the videos that went out of his first team meetings and, and et cetera. 
But I, if you had to wager, and I haven't looked at the like the preseason rankings, will Colorado be ranked this year? Are they already ranked? They're, They're unranked. Ranked. No votes either for the AP poll. Okay. Will they? Will Colorado, who's been terrible, and I can't believe how bad they've been. They, I mean, they're terrible. Has will Colorado break the top twenty-five this year? Yes. No. Ooh. Their win total, Jimmy, three and a half. Their over under is three and a half. Yes. I look and I and it's plus one twenty-six. To be clear, I, I say that buying into the hype train. Like for instance, overreaction by AP voters would be they go into TCU and win on Saturday. There's no way they're coming out of a W if that was to happen without, at a minimum, votes. I would think a conversation of being in the top 25. So, yeah, it's possible. I'll say yes. But by the way, my bigger fear with all of this, and I don't have anything against Deion Sanders, but this is a leapfrogging path that he is on. The train and the journey for him is not over at Colorado. So, yes, they're in vogue now. But once they get hot and he legitimizes further what he can do as a coach, at least in his mind, it's Florida State where he played ball. It's, it's, it's a bigger school. And I don't know. That that stinks for Colorado. It's temporary I get it. happiness. I mean, them. it is weird to think Colorado would be a springboard school, right? You know, my buddy um, Tony that I go to the Clemson games with. Eddie, you'll meet Tony when we go to the game, but we have to follow Tony's rules. Tony, <laughs> It's Tony's tickets, right? Uh, and so it's Tony. And then so in the stadium, Tony's rules. During the during the entire drive, my rules. Does Eddie have to wear orange, by the way? Yeah, or purple. Okay. Purple also sufficient. Okay. It's Military Appreciation Day. They do purple. Okay. Any other day, orange or white, sufficient. You have to root for Clemson, though. Well, yeah. I'm not going to go to a Clemson game and root for Virginia Tech. Who's your team? I like IU, but I'm not a diehard IU college football fan simply because they just don't. Because you like IU. Did you see their new end zone suites? Yeah. They're like bleachers with a tent. Uh Uh-huh. It looks like the the fire festival or whatever it's called. (laughs) Did they put it together? Like, Indiana sent a tweet out bragging about their new end zone suites, and people were like, uh, this isn't the flex you think it is. Uh, but I digress. So, um, Tony, who is my buddy down at Clemson and has been a Clemson season ticket holder his entire life. Same, Tony, Clemson is to Tony what Notre Dame is to you. Okay. Like, his grandfather went there, his father, etc. So, he's been going to games there, every home game for 40 years, right? So... I asked Tony, I'm like, what, what's the greatest moment you've seen here in this stadium? And he's like, dude, I kid you not. He said the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen was Clemson, Florida State. It would have been 87, I guess, something somewhere in there, 88. Deion Sanders playing for Florida State. And he said, Florida State, or Clemson had to punt. Tight game, Clemson's got to punt. And he said, Deion Sanders stood like at the 10-yard line. And he goes, and it was, I mean, Death Valley is loud. I mean, that stadium's loud. It's raucous. It's 85,000 people. It's all, it's a fabulous environment. And so he said, Deion Sanders is standing at like the, the 15, 10, whatever. And he goes, he literally starts pumping the crowd up. He's waving to the crowd. He's back there to receive the punt, and he's waving to the crowd, pumping, like doing his thing, right? Doing Deion yeah. thing, right? Then he starts waving his arm, and he's like his left arm, and he's doing it like in a fish type motion. And he goes, and he's showing everybody the path he's about to take, right? <laughs> he goes, he literally is like doing a Babe Ruth, and he's showing Call everybody the, the path sure. he's going to take. And he goes, and I kid you not, Jake, he goes, 
we punted to him and he got the punt and he starts going and literally I realize he is going the exact path that he just forecasted. And he goes, I kid you not, the last 10 yards that he was headed towards the end zone, high-stepping it, he goes, of the 82,000 people, 85,000 people in in Death Valley, he goes, I think about 40,000 were cheering for him. Because it was so unbelievable of like, I can't believe what I just witnessed, that there are certain things, and it's the magic of sports, there are certain things that you see it and you're like, you know what, I look, I'm never, like, that's unbelievable. Yeah. And you tip your cap to it and you go, hallelujah, right? But I, I, it is weird to think Colorado would be a stepping stone for him, but I guess it's possible. But I'm going to predict it now. Colorado gets – Indiana stuns the world and knocks off Michigan October 14th, but it's a few weeks after Colorado has fallen out of the top 25 after an early surge puts them in it, right? Okay. Speaking of springboard, we're going to springboard in the national perceptions of not only the Colts and the NFL, but we're going to do it with a writer from Sports Illustrated in 10. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. False start. Oops. I've been there. What, what, what are we doing here? I've been I clicked there. the wrong first, button. First, this all, and listen, I'll take responsibility here. This all, everything went completely downhill here. When I said that we we're going to talk to Matt at two o'clock and it's two thirty, okay. But you wrote on the board up here in pink. I can't read that. I'm sorry. I need. Hold on. Pink. Hold on a second. Wait. Big pause here. Music fade down, please. In the past, not in the Quarian Company era. If I was ever to stick a toe out of line about the board, it was met with immediate pushback. That's because you said you didn't see it. By the way, so did he. He said he couldn't make out. He said he can't read it. Okay. Difference. But he couldn't make out if it was a three or a zero from. There's a difference between not being able to make out of it. Hang on just a second. The point is. I actually have glasses here. Let me put them on. Okay. I'm like. The larger point, though, is that regardless, he was met with an immediate apology. Versus I got, oh, well, it's over there. You should be able to see it. Well, what I don't see you inviting Eddie to Clemson games. Now what do the I? Heck? Now, here's the thing. I have glasses, but they're, own, they're, they're sunglasses. Uh, because when we at the – so, like, was it last year or two years ago, our interns changed at the start of the year. Okay. And I had one of these um, – Oh, I don't know. With flex spending or health spending or 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 BSA or what I don't know sure. what it was, and so I get this email that says, "Hey, you have like seven hundred and forty dollars accumulated in the whatever account, but your insurance is changing, so you have to spend it by January first online at your flex spending accumulated whatever dot com." Right. So I'm like, "Oh, okay." So I go on this thing, and and literally. I look at it and I'm like, okay, I don't need like urine pumps for a thousand dollars and all the different things they're selling or like <laughs> chloroseptic spray for $78. So I looked at it. I'm like, well, what can I get with this money that I have put into this account that is going to evaporate? And so they had prescription sunglasses. Sure. I'll buy prescription sunglasses. I have a, do you wear contacts? No. Okay. I, I have a minor whatever in my eye, but I can't wear contacts. Okay. So I thought, well, I'll buy prescription sunglasses. So the glasses that I have to be able to see things like Eddie's board, um, these will help me read it, but they're sunglasses. So I don't know if the coloring is going to work on these, right? But anyway, so I bought these, and then I had 
um, like four hundred dollars left over. Boy, I've, so you buy five pairs, Eddie? I never realized what a handsome fellow you are. The whole world has just changed. <laughs> Thank you. I just put these things on. Look at that. Look at that. I can read this perfectly. That, you have excellent penmanship. I appreciate. Have the you Cambridge. been told of your outstanding penmanship? Indeed, I have. Many a day. That's very impressive. Um, I had like four hundred dollars left over, and so I went to my parents and I said, "I don't even know if this is legal, but do you need me to buy anything for you?" And my dad said, "You know, I love band aids." I go okay, so I so I said, "Well, here, let me log into my account." Oh, I hope my, it's four hundred dollars worth of band aids. My dad comes back and goes, "You have eight dollars left." I said, "Did you just buy three hundred ninety-two dollars in band aids?" So, flash forward three weeks later, I get a text from my dad. Don't know if you need any Band-Aids, but they just dropped off like a pallet of them at the house. <laughs> my mom's like, we have SpongeBob Band-Aids, we have Spider-Man Band-Aids, oh, we have you name it. And, and I say, and I think my dad, like me, is on blood thinners, but I'm like, you know, what are you, are you like, are you juggling razor blades over here? What are you doing, right? But one simple hangnail with, on blood thinners, and, and trust me, you do need the Band-Aids, no question about it. Um, listen, we made uh, an alteration to the way that we're discussing things on this program, but we're going to lift it for a little bit because there is Colts discussion that needs to be had, and it needs to be had on the other side. So we will do it in just a couple of minutes here and get back into talking about exactly that. You're listening to Query and Company, and we appreciate you doing so. 93.5-1075, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Two o'clock hour in Indianapolis. Technically speaking, it's two o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. Jake Query, Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison here as well. It is Query and Company on 93.5-1075, The Fan. And we have talked plenty about, obviously yesterday, the provisional finalization of the Colts roster. Now, there are going to be changes. That includes, and Jimmy, I'll give you a second to, to look it back up because I don't want to put you on the spot, a couple of players that they have acquired today um, in going over the waiver wire or signing those players who were outright, outright released uh, and picking them up. Those players are, Jimmy? Eagles lineman Josh Sills, Dolphins tackle Ryan Hayes, and Cowboys linebacker Isaiah Land. Okay, so that means obviously that they're going to have to make room on the roster for those guys. They're, you know, they can put a couple of guys – on back on pup, you know whatever it might be. If there are injuries, Jelani Woods is one of those that, that could be a possibility there. So we shall see. But the big storyline, obviously, and I understand it. And we mentioned earlier today. I, I let off the show, as a matter of fact, by asking people. And if you were listening to us then, and you still are, I'm most appreciative of that. Hopefully, you'll you'll bear with me as we kind of repeat this real quick. But we had it was on Friday, right when we interview twiggy yep hoosier hardwood festival uh the hoosier heartland festival hardwood festival excuse me which was fantastic up in boone county and twiggy is the water skiing squirrel one of the better interviews we've done twiggy 10 and both of us got to to look at and and pet twiggy and and twiggy was delightful right yes the thing i liked about twiggy twiggy doesn't say a lot just does his job 
I think this particular installment of Twiggy was a female, right? Yeah. But for the sake of the comparison here, what we'll say he, uh, Twiggy does his job. Doesn't talk a lot. Kids love Twiggy. And when you come out and you see a water skiing squirrel, you're like, that is the price of admission, right? That That is worth it right there. Yep. Great locker room guy, that Twiggy, I would totally, say. Totally, totally. And when I was holding Twiggy, Twiggy for the, the majority of time that I was holding and, and, and looking at Twiggy, just delightful. And then all of a sudden, Twiggy got a little bit restless, started twitching a little bit. And then I started having, a, oh gosh, this is, this is going to go south real quick. And I got nervous, to be honest with you. And fortunately, the handler came in and took over before all hell broke loose with, with Twiggy on the loose. The And we have talked for the last, on this radio program, the wake-up call with KB and Andy from 7 to 10, they've been talking about Jonathan Taylor. On this show, Quarrying Company from noon to 3, we've been talking about Jonathan Taylor. JMV from 3 to 6, he's been talking about Jonathan Taylor. The replays from 6 to 7, been talking about Jonathan Taylor. So I decided that we needed to put a moratorium on the term Jonathan Taylor, the name Jonathan Taylor, because people are tired of hearing the name Jonathan Taylor. You turn around anywhere in town, people are like, what's going on with Jonathan Taylor? So I decided, well, we'll just call him Twiggy. Who doesn't love Twiggy, right? So when we say, what are the Colts going to do with not Jonathan Taylor, Twiggy, right? But that does get confusing, admittedly. But here's the thing. Jonathan Taylor's a little like Twiggy. The moment that we had Twiggy on the show is a little bit like the Jonathan Taylor tenure in Indianapolis. Delightful. Didn't say a lot. Very accommodating. When we said we wanted to interview Twiggy, they brought Twiggy right over. Twiggy was... At first, you were a little hesitant with Twiggy. Jonathan Taylor, when he came to the Colts, fabulous track record at Wisconsin. Great running back. Gets drafted. Second round pick. Comes to the Colts. The outset of his tenure as a Colt, a little bit hesitant. Wait a minute, is this Trent Richardson all over again? Dominant college player that was just behind a big line? And then Jonathan Taylor got comfortable, and lo and behold, it was like Twiggy on skis. This is something I've this is this is fabulous. Kids love it. People are coming out. It's exciting. It's selling tickets. And the Colts the last few years, Jimmy, have quite frankly been exactly what every NFL owner is terrified of. They've been boring. They're boring. You're going to go to the Colts game? Well, I love the, you know, the the tailgates are fabulous and, and Bullseye Event Group does a, a fantastic. I mean, you got the, you know, the DJ there and JMV's there and, and Kyle's there entertaining everybody and they got the best food and the best chefs. But the game itself, kind of boring. Four and a half hours of, of you know, the most Which way are we going to lose this week? Correct. But Jonathan Taylor was not. Price of admission. Exciting player. Never know when he's going to break one and go 22 miles an hour down the sidelines to, to put away the evil Patriots. But then all of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor got a little bit squirrely. Right? And for whatever reason, Jonathan Taylor became Twiggy when you're like, wait a minute, something's going on here, and, and Twiggy seems uncomfortable. And I have no idea what direction this is going to go, and I need the handler to come in here and, and rescue me and take Twiggy away and, and get things back under control again. And that's what the Colts have done by putting Jonathan Taylor on the physically unable to perform list. They have temporarily made the problem okay. But it ain't going away. And now the question becomes, now that we know that there's a second team, the Dolphins, 
apparently had interest in him, but they didn't offer a first-rounder. The Packers apparently late made a push and inquired about Jonathan Taylor. To what level? I don't know. But they put him on the physically unable to perform list, which means that he cannot play for the first four games of the season, regardless of what franchise he's with. Somebody trades for him. They're now trading for a running back that A, they're not totally certain is healthy, and B, if he is healthy, they can't use him for four games, and C, his contract's up at the end of the year, so they would have to then see whether or not they're using him as a rental or whether or not they're getting him long-term. Those are a lot of question marks. And D, he can't practice either. I think that's another big part of it that people don't talk about enough is that with him being on the pup list if he gets traded it's not like he can go out there and, and show practice he, and show where he is right yeah that yeah. or get used to working with the new offensive line new quarterback etc the colts also can't use the pup at least the way i understand it as a punishment or Correct. as something to benefit issue, them right? it is it is done because he legitimately is physically unable to perform well here's the at other this thing, stage though. it's not a we're tired of dealing with you sit four games it's Somebody within the organization, the team doctor, whatever, feels he's still worthy of being on that list. Allegedly. I would assume, and this kind of goes above and beyond my pay grade here, right? But I would assume that in order to put him on the pup list, the Colts then have to, and I'm not, this makes it sound like I'm questioning the legitimacy of the Colts. I'm not. I'm saying in order to put him on the pup list, I would assume that there has to be some sort of verification within the league of the injury. And if that's the case, does it mention the back? Because when Jonathan Taylor came in and reported to camp, he failed his physical. Mm -hmm. Did he fail the physical because of the ankle in which he had the surgery that was supposed to be like a four to six week recovery, like in the spring? Or did he fail the physical because he said, I've got a problem with my lower back? And the Colts apparently, and here's the thing, the back injury, Jimmy, is a challenging one, and I'll tell you why. When you were a kid, did you ever fake sick? Yes. And the first time you tried it, you said that you felt like you had a fever. Yeah. But they took your temperature. And they're like, no, you don't have a fever. You're going to school. Right? Yep. Then you said, I'm nauseous. Well, they how do they know if you're nauseous? They have to believe you, right? You're not going to school because you're nauseous. Players in the National Football League can always say I've got problems with my back well how, how do we know we can do an MRI and we can tell well but I don't I mean it's your back like how, we have to trust you that like your mobility is limited because you're telling me that you did something or you tweaked your back lifting what well how did you what happened to your back so Jonathan Taylor says oh I, I was lifting weights and and I felt something pop and the cold said okay that's cool and where was this because like one of the, was one of the trainers with you? No, no, no. I was in Arizona working out on my own. Totally his right, and a lot of players do that. When I was working out, and the Colts said, interesting. Because you do realize, Twiggy, that if you tweaked your back while you're away from the team, then that's what we call a non-football injury. 
by non-football injury doesn't mean you it happened while you were not playing football it means it happened while you were not within a football facility or the structure of your franchise so this is now a non-football injury and if it's a non-football injury then that means that if we actually determine that it means you can't play and produce for us then we put you on a shelf you don't get paid for the year and then next year we start this whole thing all over again and you have a year left on your contract so you would think that Jonathan Taylor then is like you know my back feels a lot better So then, if that's the case, then the pup list becomes what? It would theoretically be the ankle. And if it's the ankle, Jimmy, two things come into play there. Number one, you're running back. Okay? That's a a pretty key component of being a running back. But, But number two, if it's the ankle, then you wonder if that doesn't offset into other injuries. Like Shaquille Leonard, for example. If you recall, he yeah. had the they, they determined it was the back because of a ligament that was created by overcompensation from a bad ankle. Right. So it just becomes a quagmire. But it also puts all these question marks now in my head, and I'm sure in the head of Colts fans as well, of if it was supposed to be a simple four to six weeks timeline of recovery and it's not the back what has happened totally i totally this, agree did the surgery go wrong totally agree is it a rehab misstep like what what is the reason for still being on the pup if it is indeed tied to the ankle i'm kind of surprised if that's if it's the ankle i'm kind of surprised that he hasn't gone back in for like some sort of a procedure to or clean, a clean up. up yeah right i'm with you i remember one time by the way when i covered the rams years ago and this was, I mean, 25 years ago, so you can imagine how things have probably changed even since then or advanced since then. But I remember one time walking into Rams Park on a Monday and Marshall Falk's got a huge thing on his leg and is like, not limping, but like, you know, favoring his leg. And I go, what's this all about? And he goes, oh, I had um, cleanup last night. I go, what do you mean cleanup? He said, after the game, my knee was bad, so they did an MRI and determined there were some floating particles in it, so they did a minor surgery and went in and cleaned up my knee. And I remember thinking, like, this is Marshall Falk. I mean, the guy's like the reigning MVP in the National Football League, right? Yeah. Dude played the next Sunday. I kid you not. I'm like, holy cow. So, I mean, that was probably like the most minor of minor, right? But my point being, they can do those things, and it has been done. But it, it is, if you are a team trading or interested, and clearly there are teams that are interested in Jonathan Taylor, clearly. But does putting him on the pup list, Jimmy, deflate that interest? No, I don't think so. It still depends on if a team is in contention or not and feels that they are a piece away from adding him. My larger issue, though, with all of this, and why I've thought from the very beginning a trade's not going to happen... First off, I understand it's just rumors or it's based on Barry Jackson's reporting who's been spot on on this on the Miami end of things. If the Colts, and I already had a problem with them asking for a first rounder for him, it's not happening. It's not happening in today's NFL for a running back. But if the Colts were really asking for players like Jalen Waddell, it's not serious negotiations. Correct. Like this is no longer the scenario of you're playing fantasy football with somebody and you go extremely high with the hopes they're going to counter with something better. Like, you're into the untouchable territory of that if we're sticking with my analogy. Like, no no one in their right mind is trading Jalen Waddell for a running back, let alone a running back that at this point, there's all these injury questions surrounding him. But again, there's no 
full like corroborating reports that that is what they asked, but there's enough where it's intriguing. So the larger I, I, issue is the first rounder. It's not happening. Jimmy, I'm probably alone on my own island here. Sure. Okay. Me and Wilson, the volleyball, probably okay. the only two that believe this. I don't think they ever, for a split second, thought they were going to get a first rounder for him. I don't think they necessarily even had the the. If they were blown away, I think they would have traded him. I don't think that the Colts, strictly my opinion, I don't think the Colts legitimately were contemplating trading him. I think the we are allowing you to explore a trade was entirely driven by forcing him the reality of his own value. And when Jonathan Taylor and his agent came to them and said, we want $16 million, meaning that they thought, okay, so you'd probably take 14 Right. First-rounder money. I think that the Indianapolis Colts and Chris Ballard said to Jonathan Taylor's agent, cool, find a team willing to give us a first round in exchange for your $16 million and we will do a sign-and-trade or we will trade you to that team that's willing to probably give you that money. I'm going to have to step into the ring of talk to me like I'm five now. Okay. Because we've had this analogy brought up a couple of times. And why I'm confused with getting on board with it is you see second round selections, third round selections, if they perform well enough at their position to exceed what would be the perceived market value on contracts. So I don't Understood. see Understood. I don't see a pathway and explain it to me I guess a little bit better or for my clarity where if he says I want 15 million dollars the counterpunch is okay go get us a first round pick. Okay. So I believe strictly my opinion. Okay? We will take Shaquille Leonard as a good example to your point. So Shaquille Leonard was what round was he selected? Was he a second rounder? I believe so. Memory serves me right. Shaquille Leonard was a second rounder that was a fabulous player and is a fabulous player that exceeded expectation. And when his contract was up for extension, he was given an extension and was paid as though he was a first round level talent because he showed to be a first round level talent. But he also was a first-round level talent that was playing a position that the Colts deemed in their estimation to be more valuable to their long-term three- to five-year window than the running back position. In Jonathan Taylor's case, he was selected in the second round, which is a stretch at running back for most people. He was selected in the second round. He played up to a year left on his contract, was hurt for a lot of it. When he played, was dynamic. Unbelievable. But then his contract is up for extension, and his agent, who was also Shaquille Leonard's agent, mind you, but Jonathan Taylor and his agent go to the Colts and say, okay, we saw Quentin Nelson with back surgery get extended. We saw Shaquille Leonard with the the back and ankle issue get extended. We saw Naeem Hines get extended. So now it's our turn. And the Colts said, yeah, well, it's a little different. So what do you mean it's a little different? Well, those other guys are are different valued positions. Well, Naeem Hines was a running back. Yes, he's a running back, but he was also a returner. He also could could catch the ball. He he did multiple things for us that we were intrigued by. And a relatively inexpensive extension. And Jonathan Taylor said, but I've been playing like a first rounder. 
And they said, you're right, you have been playing like a first-rounder, but you've been playing like a first-rounder, but now you're at a position where we don't need first-round contribution anymore because we have totally reset and refocused our attention towards a different trajectory and a different timeline. And he said, but I played like a first-rounder, so I should get paid like a first-rounder. And they said, you know what, in the NFL – in a vacuum, you are correct, except for that you are playing a position that is no longer first round worthy. We paid Naeem Hines on an extension, but we played him like a, paid him like a fourth rounder. You are Jonathan Taylor pay, playing a position, unfortunately, at no fault of yours. You might be the best in the league at your position, but you play a position that the league has determined is no longer first round worthy. And he said, I don't buy that. I should get $16 million a year. And they said, but that's first-round money, and we're trying to tell you a running back is not a first-round position. Be happy that you were taken as a second-rounder as a running back. And he said, prove it to me. And they said, okay, we will prove it to you. We're going to go ahead and put a huge bulletin on eBay that Jonathan Taylor's for sale. Please make an offer. And they said, the second somebody comes and offers us a first-rounder, Jonathan Taylor, we will happily start to come to that negotiating table, and we will say at that point, you are in fact correct. We are wrong. You and your agent are correct. You are a first-round level contributing talent. And guess what? He is still here because no team came and offered a first-rounder. So then they are now able to say to him in the contract negotiations, okay, now, let's, let's go back and talk about what you are worth because the league has now made it clear that you are not a player that anybody in this league is going to pay $16 million a year for, so why should we? The key part of all of that, though, is if the $16 million is true, which has not been validated by uh, anybody that we... like. I, it's, it's been thrown out there in rumor circles. I'm not like questioning you bringing that number up because we've it heard clearly, it. But it clearly is a number the Colts are not willing to pay. Correct. Whatever the number is, Jimmy, it's a number that the Colts are not willing but to But if it's 12 to $15 million a year in that range, that's not first-round money. That's second-round money. Like That's that, that, that that's what uh, Nick Chubb got. That's what Aaron Jones got. It was a fifth-round selection. Like If that's if that's the bar of first-round money in their mind, then this this whole negotiation process is going to go nowhere. No, I, I get it. I, I'm just, I think this was... To open, open up his eyes what I'm, in their mind. What I'm saying sure. is, whatever the number is clearly Jonathan Taylor and his representation and I'm not this is what to me is fascinating about it it is so rare in the NBA the trade for Tyrese Halliburton and Domas Sabonis is like the rarest of trades you know why because in Sacramento they are thrilled with Domas Sabonis worked out for everybody and De'Aaron Fox is a great player at point and Sabonis is a fabulous player for them and Sacramento had a great year and in Indiana everyone's thrilled with Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald's been a great player for them, and people are excited about it, and it worked for both teams, and that is so rare. And likewise, in a contract negotiation, it is unbelievably rare to find a contract standoff for situation where, in reality, it you, you can understand both sides. And in this case, I understand both sides. Totally understand them. I mean, it's fascinating, because I get where the Colts are coming from, and I get where Jonathan Taylor's coming from. But... In the end, because he's under contract and because he is injured, he's not going to win. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and for those that are out there, and I've seen, this isn't from Jake. This is just on Twitter, on Colts Twitter, more specifically. For those that are painting it as simple as, well, he has one more year on his contract. He should go and and earn the money and go play it out. 
even when he comes back from the four-game injury. He should go do that, and then he'll get rewarded. No, he won't. This does not end, even if Jonathan Taylor put on a brave face and said, you know what, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to be 2021 Jonathan Taylor or Twiggy. I've broken the rule five times now. I don't know what we're doing anymore in terms of that protocol. But I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to be 2021 me, and I'm going to show them, and I'm going to show them that I'm the best running back in the National Football League. He's going to get tagged. As sure as the sky is blue, Jonathan Taylor would be tagged by the Indianapolis Colts if he has a 2021-like season. That would be the first move that happens, and then maybe they have contract negotiations. But it does not end, even if he sat like a choir boy and was all cool about everything and didn't make this outburst in the media, it ends with a tag. And he knows that because that's why he tried to fight this a year early, because he's seen... Every other running back before him, at least in the last four or five seasons, outside of maybe Derrick Henry, deal with this same conundrum. Dolphins general manager Chris Greer, 16 minutes ago, said he had, quote, exploratory talks with the Colts, but there was, quote, no exchange of offers between the two sides. Quote, in terms of being close, there was nothing really close. I'm telling you, I I truly believe the – we are giving you permission to go explore was a power play by the Colts. And you know what? I have been critical of Chris Ballard in multiple areas. I've been critical of him. But in my opinion, I don't know, but it looks to me like the dude just played chess. And was like, there you go. Give it a year. Which, which chess piece do you like the best? The night. That that's the one that can only go in L's. Yes. Right. Yes. Isn't the night the rook? No, the night's the rook. Right. Is the night the the night's the horse? Correct. Which, which one's the which one is the little castle looking thing? That's the rook. Correct. I, I that's, my I chess that's knowledge right. is escaping me, but yeah, I believe so. You're right. The the night is the which way does the rook move? Do you know, Eddie? The rook goes. I've never played chess in my life. Up, down, left, and right. And and, and the so the. The knight is the hook and ladder guy, right? He's yeah. like your tight end, two L-shape. steps out, you're and right. boom, right? Yeah, you're right. Yep. Okay. And then your your rook is like Derrick Henry. It's just straightforward, right? Straightforward, and then that that's and pretty unstoppable, right? Yeah. And then the the queen the queen is like Christian McCaffrey, like can go can, anywhere. Yes, can do everything. Yep. Can get can get anywhere that he needs to be, right? Yep. Okay. And, forgot and, about the bishop, huh? You forgot about the bishop. Uh, now, now the bishop is the one um, diagonal. Oh, only diagonally. Yep. Okay. So the bishop would be like a like a crossing route. Yep. Like Josh Downs would be like the bishop, right? Just like across diagonally across the middle, right? Yep. Okay. This whole idea of him playing chess though changes drastically for me. If again, when this gets resolved, whenever it does. If Jonathan Taylor winds up in a new team the next year or so and it's a $12 million contract or a $13 million contract, it's not worth the fight. It's not worth the fight for what could benefit Anthony Richardson. He's still only 24 years old. The injury does complicate things for me, but it, it turns more from chess and more to arrogance but, but, to me but if okay, that's fair. how it turns out. But you don't year. know what that $13 million that the Colts... I, Just like we don't know about the 16, you're right. I don't know about the 13 for certain. Maybe it is a skyrocket The Colts number. wide receiver room right now is yeah. a bunch of pawns, right? 
Michael, Michael Pittman Jr. is a good player. The rest of them are like rookie pawns. So what if they're going to use that money that they're going to save from from giving that kind of money to Jonathan Taylor to go out and I need get to see that from receiver? Him. I need I, to see that from Colts, him. Uh, Colts just waved Isaiah McKenzie, by the way. So they have three wide receivers <laughs> on the active roster. The less pawns. There's you another pawn gone. You, you referenced it and earlier in the show. he was to be a return guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> you referenced it earlier in the show about how he's going to say, oh, we have the best wide receiver room in the league. We're very happy with this wide receiver room. It's down to three pieces now. I've been wanting him to spend money in certain areas do, do for years. Do we have the Chris Ballard wideouts clip from Kevin Bowen? Oh, I got to find it. I got to find it. I mean, it. Th- th- that's like that's that's the key right there, right? I'm doubting Thomas with him now about spending money. I need to see it. I need to see it at meaningful positions before I'm willing to buy into the he's playing chess so we can use this Jonathan Taylor money and spend it somewhere okay. useful. I just think in that case, you had a player that was making a demand and they're like, look, you're not getting what we're saying. I'm not you. Sure. Twiggy's Larry not Lamar getting what Jackson-esque. We're that's a very good example, yes. Um, I have a mental block, and, and I mean this is no disrespect to him, with Matt's last name. Verderam. Verderam. I, I don't know why. So so you can bring him in. How's that? Okay. But that sounds good. <laughs> Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Inside the DriveHoo.com studios on Query and Company, Jimmy Cook, Jay Query, Eddie Garrison guiding us throughout the afternoon. We continue our Jonathan Taylor conversations from a national perspective now as we shift gears towards Sports Illustrated. One of our favorites, Matt Verderam, nice enough to take some time with us here on The Fan. Matt, how are you? Doing well. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much, as always, for making the time. I want to go straight to JT with this because you had reacted to it like the rest of us did on Twitter yesterday with no trade materializing. And you referenced on Twitter, which you can follow him on Twitter, at Matt Verderam, the fact that the days of middling money to backs are gone even at that stretch. And most teams aren't going to trip over themselves giving a top 50 pick before having to pay market setting money to a running back. When you look at all of that, from your perspective, what's the next step moving forward for Jonathan Taylor, knowing that he's on the pup to start the year, knowing that any team that was to trade for him after the Colts superimposed deadline isn't going to have him for four games? I mean, his next step is acceptance because he's not getting traded if the Colts continue to ask for a really high price. It's not going to happen. Like, look around the NFL. Saquon Barkley... Josh Jacobs, two of the best running backs in the league, tagged, and they're going to get tagged again next year because the tag is meager compared to most other positions. There's no reason in the world Giants and the Raiders aren't going to tag those guys again if they have good seasons. Austin Eckler has led the league over the last two years in touchdowns. Didn't even sniff an extension. Jonathan Taylor is a great player, but if the Colts are going to sit there and demand Jalen Waddle in return – it's not happening. They're not even going to get near some kind of a trade. If they want a top 50-level pick back, they're not getting that because whatever team gives that up then has to pay Jonathan Taylor 
market-setting money. Nobody was willing to pay anybody market-setting money, and that doesn't include giving up a big-time draft pick. So if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm trying to drive the best bargain I can within the organization, but that's going to be tough because the culture is just going to sit there and say, well, negotiations start off of what two tags are going to cost. And two tags for a running back, not that expensive. And Matt, I have been saying for a while now that I'm convinced, and I'm curious your perspective on it, because I think sometimes we can get caught like in our own snow globe, right? Of of not not looking at it like from outside perspectives. It is my opinion that the Colts, in terms of this entire exercise of Jonathan Taylor being allowed to go out and seek a trade that it was the Colts proving to Jonathan Taylor that what the market value is it was less about them actually legitimately thinking they were going to get a first round pick or a Jalen Waddle or whatever else and more about them trying to hammer home to Jonathan Taylor and his representation exactly what the market value is I think there's truth in that we saw that happen earlier this offseason with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore where the Ravens gave him a non-exclusive tag and said, go ahead, find the deal. Have fun. It's not going to happen. And I think, too, look, we live in a day and age where every sport is, is increasingly different than the others. You know, in the NBA, you demand a trade. You get one the following week in a lot of cases. And where do you want to go? We'll send you that. That is not the NFL. These teams don't care. If they don't want to trade you, they're not going to do it. It doesn't you're not going to pressure these teams for the most part into making a move. And I thought, you know, with, with Taylor, he's a tremendous talent, but the Colts are looking at this going, why would we trade you? We need you to help develop Anthony Richardson because the wide receivers outside of Pittman are very unproven and green. And the offensive line was a disaster last year, hopefully better this year, but it remains an open question. So if I'm Chris Ballard, if I'm Jim Mercy, I'm looking at this going, I'm not going to trade you unless we easily win the trade because we can just tag you the next couple of years. And you can be unhappy and you can be miserable. What are you going to do? You're going to retire? Because unless you retire, you're going to be here. And so I just think if I'm, if I'm Taylor, if I'm his representation, I am trying to get the best deal possible out of the Colts, and I'm living with that, or I'm looking at the reality of, yeah, Sure, maybe I can eventually force my way out of here. It's going to be hard. It's not going to just be a snap of the fingers. And I think the Colts are banking on that as, as part of the strategy. Matt, in terms of the Colts themselves, you know, Jim Irsay, we played it a, a billion times when he was talking about the Colts' record over the 2000s. And he said, like, in the upper quartile of upper quartiles, we're in the top 2%. It was, he lost everybody in the mathematics there. But <laughs> in terms of quartiles of the NFL, and I know that you're not sitting and, and scouring over every single roster, you know, the day after. But just at the at the eye test, the Colts roster appears to you to be in which quartile of the NFL right now? The bottom one. The bottom one. And, and part of that is because they have a rookie head coach and they have a rookie quarterback. Who, by the way, I spent time. I went to the Colts training camp. I was there. It was one of my stops on my camp tour, and I spoke with. Coach Steichen for a while after practice. I think that Steichen and Richardson long term could be a very, very good partnership. Steichen had immense success coaching Justin Herbert as a rookie, coaching Jalen Hurts his first couple of years. Like I think Steichen to me is the perfect fit for him. 
And Richardson watching that kid, the only question I have is can he get his accuracy to a respectable level, which is something he struggled with in high school and he struggled with in college. If he can do that, he's got all the tools in the world, I think mental and physical. Um, but this year, look, it's, it's going to be a struggle. They simply don't have the weaponry, especially with Taylor out right now, to compete with a lot of these teams in the AFC who, let's face it, in the AFC, you're going to have teams that are ninth, 10th in the conference standings who are really good teams. Just don't make playoffs because it's so loaded. I think Indianapolis defensively, I mean, how much are you getting out of Shaq Leonard? Is he, is he healthy for the full year? Buckner and, and Stewart are excellent up front. Um, but you have questions in the secondary. I think it's a year where look, the Colts are probably going to struggle. I don't expect them to win many games. But if Steichen and Richardson look like a pairing that's going to be really good moving forward, that's far more important than whether or not they win four games or seven games. I, I don't think in the end that really matters. Just tell me how good the coaching quarterback is going to be. I'm sure the Colts have a grander plan here, Matt, but if – they were to call you today and say, hey, we just cut a wide receiver in Isaiah McKenzie, who we acquired this offseason, and are now down to three wide receivers in Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pearson his second year, and Josh Downs a rookie. For our rookie quarterback, we need to fix this from a depth perspective. What would your advice be? I, I think, look, you got to just try and churn the, the, the bottom part of that, that room the best you can. Like, I, at some point, the Colts have to invest in their receiver room in a way that they just haven't for years now. Um, I feel like every year from a national perspective, you look at the Colts and you see their cap space and go, yeah, they got out of receiver. And then they don't. Um, I think number one, they've got to get Pittman locked up long-term because Pittman can play. The problem is going to be, much like I think it is in Buffalo with Gabe Davis, they're probably not, like, you don't look at either one of those guys and go, that guy's a surefire, no doubt about it, number one. Although yeah. I think Pittman with a top-end quarterback could be. Um but they're probably thinking the free agency, they're going to get paid like it. So you have this weird, like, are you willing to overpay Pittman a little bit to keep him from hitting the market? If I were the Colts, I would be, because you have a quarterback on a rookie deal for the next five years. Um, I think at some point, though, the Colts have to just say, hey, look, we've got to invest in going out and getting another receiver. Like, if T. Higgins hits the market after this year, go out and pay him. Like, even if it means overpaying him by a couple million dollars, so what? Cap's going to go up every year. You've got to put guys around Richardson. You know, maybe Alec Pierce takes the jump. Maybe Downs comes in and he's great as a rookie. That's all possible. But if I'm Ballard, outside of fixing the offensive line and making sure that is reinforced, I'm looking at this team the next couple of years and saying, look, I want to be good everywhere. That's the goal every GM has. I've got to protect Richardson first, and I've got to get him some guys who make him better. And to me, if you can add that top-tier receiver – I, I think that's probably my number one priority outside of their offensive line moving forward. You know, Pittman, I want to go back to that, Matt, because I, I agree with you. I, I think Pittman's a really good player, and and I he's really yeah. important. I think as a safety net, right, and a good a bit. Every young quarterback needs that that reliable comfort level target. For for me with Pittman, and I want you, your thoughts on this. Pittman is worth extending not just because he's a really good player 
But I feel like his shelf life is going to be longer than the average receiver because he makes really difficult catches. So once, as inevitably happens with receivers, he starts to lose the step that allows him automatic separation, he still has shown, like Reggie Wayne did later in his career, that he can kind of reinvent as a possession guy as opposed to somebody who has that separation because he can catch balls in traffic. Does that make sense what I'm saying at all? Yeah, I agree. I think that's true. And, and look, with Pittman, like you can make the argument, well, is he a number one? Is he a really good number two? I would argue if you gave him a really good quarterback, he'd be a, a very quality number one receiver. Like they, he's never played with anybody. Of like Carson Wentz and then last year's debacle. Like to me, if you gave Michael Pittman somebody who, obviously the Colts are hoping they're doing that right now, and Richardson, who, who is the upper echelon talent, I think Pittman could be fantastic. I think he could be a Pro Bowl level guy, a guy who you look at and go, okay, maybe he could put up 1,300 yards, something like that. Their problem has been there's very seldom been anybody on their side of him, and there hasn't been a quarterback. I just think if you're Ballard, you have to accept in a negotiation to extend him, like, look, he's probably going to get a little more than you think he's worth. That's just reality. Because unlike the running back market, the receiver market has boomed. You're going to pay him a lot of money. Like T. Higgins, I mentioned him earlier. I use him as an example again. He has free agency. He's getting $25 million a year. It's going to happen. Like, I, I don't know who it's coming from, but he's getting it. So, like, if the Bengals want to keep T. Higgins, you better pay him that now. They better give him four and a hundred. He's not going to sign it, and he shouldn't sign it. If I'm, if I'm looking at Pittman, okay, I'm not giving him 25. I know it's probably costing me 20. Like, it's just going to. Christian Kirk. Got a massive deal in free agency. And by the way, it went out and played well. And that you know what? Season. I was going to say, Matt, that was a good signing for them because that goes Kirk back to, for Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk yeah. became that safety net that allowed him to finally get his footing in his rhythm. And I just think, too, you know, if you're a Colts fan, look, who cares if you overpay some of these guys over the next two, three, four years? Richardson's on a rookie deal. If there's ever a time to just say, fine. Doesn't matter. Maybe his market value in our head is eighteen million a year. So what if he gets twenty? What does it matter? You're saving a fortune because you're paying Richardson an incremental deal compared to what most teams are paying even average quarterbacks. So I look at it and say, the next handful of years, if you're on the fence, if you're Ballard, and you're like, well, this guy might want a million more, and we're willing to give you, give it to him. It doesn't matter. It'll matter in four or five years when Richardson at that point is probably making about 65 a year if he's really good. But right now, no reason not to just say, you know what, fine, we'll pay the tax a little bit, we'll lock him up. Matt Verderam with us, covers the NFL at large for SI.com. Matt, I know that JT has a four-game head start on this or four-game edge because he's on the pup, but who takes the field first in 2023? Kansas City's Chris Jones or Jonathan Taylor? It's a good question. I think Chris Jones will, but that has gotten a lot uglier than I I think most of us anticipated that it would. Um, There was a general thought amongst people I spoke to that, okay, August 1st, it'll be figured out. Well, we're almost at September 1st, and they're really not even moving on that whole thing. I I think at this point – Look, I understood throughout the summer, if you're Chris Jones, you're saying, okay, hey, listen, I can pay the fine. I don't want to go to camp. I'm going to make a point. I get that. I, I don't blame him. I do think, though, now, he doesn't show up for these games. 
I think you're really starting to hurt yourself. It's a little bit of the old, you know, cut off your nose to spite your face thing. Because if you're the Chiefs, what do you really care? As great of a player as he is, you're sitting there going, all right, well, we'll, we'll probably still beat Detroit, even though Detroit I think is going to be very good this year. Probably still going to beat Chicago in week three and Minnesota in week five and the Broncos in week – like, I just think if you're, if you're Kansas City, you're going, okay, he's not going to get hurt. And, oh, by the way, next year – his his tag number, if he misses, he's threatened seven games. If he misses seven games, his tag number drops from 33.6 to 23 and a half. Like, if you're the Chiefs, <laughs> you're taking that trade. <laughs> like, that sounds great. And the other part of that is, like, he, you know, it's been reported, well reported, he wants 30 million a year. If you're Kansas City, if you start missing all these games and that cap number keeps going down next year, why would you pay him that? You just tag him. So it's – I think if you're Jones, you got to drive the hardest bargain you can over the next eight days and sign if you want your maximum value. Because after that, I think it's just going to get increasingly harder for him to ever get the money back that he's leaving on the table right now. Matt Verderam is our guest. He's an NFL writer for SI Now. That's Sports Illustrated, of course. Matt, last question before we let you go. I am curious – as you looked around the league, and I know that one training camp does not by any stretch a career or even a season make, but there was so much talk here in Indy heading into the draft. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. Of those three, the one that most showed flash to you that looks like they're going to be a player is which, and the one that clearly needs the most work is which? So I did eight training camp stops. And I saw nine teams. Colt, for one of them, I did the whole Midwestern tour because I'm based outside Chicago. I didn't see Stroud or Young in person, but I will say this. I saw Richardson. Richardson, to me, if if they can get his accuracy to where it needs to be, I, I would take that kid out of the three of them all day and twice on Sunday. I, I felt that way going into the draft. I felt that way even more watching him up close and in person. I would say that if any quarterback I saw outside of Mahomes – he had the, as much physical talent as any. But now, I, I, Burrow was, was out. He was hurt with his calf by the time I got Cincinnati. But he was – Richardson, the movement in the pocket, the ability to throw the ball, I, I thought was, was spectacular. I would say on the other end of it, it's hard to really give an answer other than to say that, look, Bryce Young, I think, is in a tough spot in Carolina. I, I love that he's with Frank Wright. I love that he's got some veteran receivers around him. I just worry about his size, and that line was a disaster this summer. Like, that is the combination that would scare me the most. I think in Houston, Stroud, look, it's going to be a learning curve, but I think he's going to be good. If Young is protected, I think he can be good, but that, that is just that is the part of that that really scares me in Carolina. He's Matt Verderim, covers the NFL for SI Now. Matt, always good to have you on. Looking forward to catching up as the season unfolds, and thanks again for making the time. No problem. Take care. I'll tell you what. Um, if you're just joining us, there was one thing that happened today with the Colts. A couple of things that happened to the Colts or with the Colts, one of which I think is a major surprise. And we'll run down for you what has taken place so far today, and we'll tell you which of those is the one that I think is, in my opinion, the biggest surprise of all of them. And we'll do it as we wrap it up and get ready to hand it off to John as well. You're listening to Query and Company, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love 
hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. So Jimmy Cook, get us caught up on what has taken place in terms of the roster today for the Colts some 23 hours after they had quote-unquote finalized preliminarily the roster yesterday. Lot to get into. We'll start first with practice squad updates. Jake Funk back practice squad. Jake, I know, I know, college. I know, I know. That's why, that's why I threw that out there for you. Michael Strawn as well. But in terms of waiver claims, Colts claim Eagles lineman Josh Sills, Dolphins tackle Ryan Hayes, Cowboys linebacker Isaiah Land. But that's not even the biggest story of the day when you look at it in a bigger picture, Jake. Yeah, the biggest story of the day probably is that of the fact that to make room on the roster for those situations, Isaiah McKenzie who had been signed, of course, after being released in Buffalo. That was a kind of a cap casualty move in Buffalo. Isaiah McKenzie signed with the Colts in March. Uh, maybe we were the kiss of death. We had him on when we were out at Grand Park on the morning show when I was with Kevin. And a guy that could not only catch the ball for them, but also was going to be a return guy. Maybe there is a way or a means for him to come back at some sort of a cost-cutting measure. I don't know, but he was released today to make room for that. That leaves – there are more people right now in this studio because John just walked in. That makes four of us and three in the Colts receiver room. That seems how good. That? Exactly how Chris Ballard likes it. <laughs> this is such a Chris Ballard operation. It's beautiful. John, you would be which receiver? You're Michael Pittman of this group, right? Well, I mean, listen, I don't know. I probably couldn't get any more separation than they can right now. <laughs> but yeah. I, 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 you know, listen, we'll see what happens as an end result with the 53-man when they start the season. But you look at the whole Jonathan Taylor crap, and you look at the way this roster, is there any doubt this is bottom how many roster-wise in the NFL John, I, I right was now? Saying, I was saying earlier when we had – It's like an expansion team or something. Uh, uh, the movie Major League. I was commenting, you know, we're, we're yeah. like the three guys, the grounds crew that are like, who are these guys? Yeah. And, and I it, look, I'm not saying that to admit my own ignorance, but there were when I was looking at the roster, I was just thinking to myself, like, I, there are a lot of players on here that I'm like, really? It, it, it feels like I, I hate saying this. It, it feels like just some of the random obscure Colts years have passed where you're just like just a, a hodgepodge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mean to be overly critical, but. No, no, I no. Listen, after last year, and after what everybody around here has been promised, and nobody has ever delivered anything, and now you just get this. It looks like they're tanking. They look every bit like they're tanking, uh, as Arizona does. Here's my problem with it all. All right, if you want to do this, do this. And everybody says Marvin Harrison Jr. Well, you have to have good fortune still to get Marvin Harrison Jr. Right. I mean, you can position yourself all you want, but you still have to have good fortune. When's the last time this organization, this team, has any good fortune whatsoever? I mean, they did go I mean, from Peyton Manning to Andrew time? Luck, right? Well, I mean, we're talking about a decade. <laughs> right. It's been like I 10 know. years. It's crazy. Isn't it? uh, the other part about this is the only person that really matters that this hurts is their rookie and experienced quarterback. You can't tell me that they can make up for the last of talent around him and watch him grow. And we don't even know that they're yeah. going to be able to protect him, right? Well, <laughs> there's no I mean, doubt about that. Yes. Like, so. I, do you remember, is the Colts offense now going to be, uh, you know, like three handoffs and a cloud of dust all with Anthony, or not even handoffs, Anthony yeah. Richardson left, Anthony Richardson right? Yep. 
He's going to put it in the belly, take it out, put it in the belly, leave it there, put it in the belly, take it out, punt, right? I mean, so that's the about it. Right? Dickerson for four yards, Dickerson for five yards, incomplete pass yeah, punt. I, listen, I, I just you, you just wanted to help out the quarterback, and people think we're bagging on them for the sake of bagging on them. No, you just look at this roster, and you tell me how in the world that you could have a quarterback mature and grow and be positive with results with the group that is built around him Did right we just now. steal I mean, all your thunder? Jonathan Taylor, but... Uh, you got three hours more. We didn't steal your thunder, did we? No, you know what's funny, though, is you know, like you talking about Twiggy. I know we got to run here. Jimmy can never tell really what time it is because that clock's not working accurately. <laughs> Neither is this one. So, uh, um, when you were talking about Twiggy, right? Yeah, Twiggy's great, yeah. So, at the time, I was talking to somebody, like Kevin does QC Kinetics, and they want to fix me up. They want to make me into the $6 million man when we saw him at the golf outing a couple of weeks ago. And I was responding to them, uh, and I was doing a voice to text. And here's my response because my voice to text caught you saying Twiggy. It said, Twiggy, for I've got two knees and a right shoulder. And I'm counting on you for a complete resurrection of my athletic ability. And it's, she's Twiggy, what are you talking about? And I said, well, Jake Query just said Twiggy and it went voice to text on my phone. Well, you, there know, you go. listen, you look like a water skiing squirrel out there, John. <laughs> exactly. All right, enjoy. Hey, everybody, it. thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, at noon. That is, of course, J&B, who is up next, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.